a breath. Look around. Swallow your pride. Life goes on full of surprises. You'll be faced with problems of all shapes and sizes. You're going to have to make a few compromises for now. For now. But only for now. For now. Only for now. Only for now. Only for now. This is episode 38 of Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. My name is Patricia. And uh, yeah, this, shout out to the guys at Avenue Q re, u, reunifying on YouTube for this uh, new, new uh, song for now. So, uh, which is uh, the uh, first reunion they've done in probably a good several years, I think I probably imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and not only this particular reunion, they have like the original cast with a mixture of the current cast. Yeah, and uh, I just think that, uh, yeah, I couldn't think of a more wonderful act of unity. I think that we definitely need after everything that's going on right now. So. Yeah, and here's the thing. They've been doing a lot of these reunions on Zoom and online for the past couple of months because obviously with uh, COVID happening and there's no major conventions going on physically. And so they're like, hey, why don't we be able to do something like this and we can be able to have... Uh, an organization that we want to promote so that we can be able to help people out in time of need. Mm -hmm. Okay, coming up on the show, uh, more Donald Trump craziness. Uh, the Justice Department uh, probably bringing back firing squad. Solomon Islands bans Facebook. Uh, Toy Story 2's 21-year anniversary. Uh, hey Arnold, uh, to the Jungle Movie, three years old. And Cowboy Bebop uh, potentially returning uh, for the anime TV series. Gremlins 3 being talked about, Cars 3 being talked about as well, uh, once again. Uh, why Santa Claus might be the last role Kurt Russell plays. Uh, we got a reaction to the Boss Baby trailer, uh, to, by the way, family business. Uh, Pokemon uh, seizes a very special 25th anniversary, and a super rare vintage Nickelodeon uh, uh, item has been found on eBay. So, everybody, uh, you get, get yourself tugged in because we are in for a pretty wild ride here on Aaron Patricia on the 29th of October. 2020. Everyone stay safe. Love you. Patricia, why don't you tell everybody what's going on on the Old School Lane podcast? All right, then. So uh, if you check out the Old School Lane YouTube channel, I did a very special unboxing, which I haven't done in about two years. So I've gotten both of the Ren & Stimpy documentary and the Orange Years documentary on DVD. And I had gotten a booklet for the Ren & Stimpy documentary. And I gotten the Polaris Special Edition vinyl record. So if you're interested in checking out those uh, you know, items for me to give my reactions of, you can check out my YouTube channel, uh, which I will, uh, as I mentioned in the video, I will be doing um, both videos discussing about both of the documentaries and one of my thoughts on it. And um, I posted up a rerun episode of the Banter Broadcast for the first time on YouTube. This was something that uh, myself... Uh, Ian, Andrew, and Malia recorded back in August discussing about what our thoughts were on the um, Netflix live action and Avatar The Last Air Airbender series 
with Mike and Brian no longer being a part of the project. And uh, we had recorded two additional um, episodes of the Banter broadcast since then. Uh, one we did on The Legend of Korra, which we did back in September. And then one we recorded a while ago, but I posted it just uh, this uh, past Friday is about uh, the Tron franchise. So we will be doing some more episodes of the Banter broadcast, especially since you know we do have a few weeks off because of the winter break. So yeah, uh, that's coming up, and uh, we got a lot of things for Old School Lane coming up. Um, I'm going to be doing uh, at least an episode of Casual Chats and an episode of Old School Lane interviews every Monday and Friday for the month of December. So you're hearing it first. I haven't announced it just yet, but yes, um, there's going to be four episodes of Casual Chats and four interviews that are going to be coming up back to back. So I hope that you will stay tuned and enjoy those. So is everybody what we got planned for Big Mix? Ah, uh, yes, that's right. So um, for Picks Mix, we are going to be watching every single Pixar short in honor of the upcoming Pixar film Soul, which will be coming out on Christmas of this year. Yeah, so like we were I mean, we're still discussing what kind of format we're going to do. I mean, one thing I would like to do is that uh, we, uh, we're we going to talk about every single one of them and we're going to release them like on a daily basis, uh, pretty much, uh, you know, all the way up until Seoul. So uh, we likely would is we'll probably be like, going over like maybe like 25, I would say, uh, Pixar shorts and uh, seeing where we go from there. So um, cool. Yeah, and um, as for uh, Dream Machine, uh, we do know that The Crude's A New Age has come out on theaters. Mm -hmm. But it will be coming out on streaming service in a few weeks. So, yeah. so we'll be we're looking about at that. December 13th for the uh, for the next episode of Dream Machine, potentially. So somewhere beyond then. But uh, we'll let you guys know uh, all about that. But anyway, yes. um, that was Old School Lane. That's Pix Makes. That's Dream Machine. This is Aaron and Patricia. So let's start off with this. Um, you know, the White House is just uh, an embarrassing shit show. I think we can all agree on that right now. And um, it just gets even more bizarre. So uh, Donald Trump finally came out of hiding and uh, decided that he wanted to finally talk to the media about um, all the crazy stuff that's basically been happening. And uh, he decided to, in, in this really weird thing, he, they set up like this small, tiny desk for him to sit at. And uh, it's just, and then all of a sudden he just kind of just goes going and ranting and raving about, you know, I didn't lose the election and everything like that, yada, yada, yada. And like all the, all the spiel that we're kind of like just immune to at this point, because yeah, we know that he's, he's going to be gone in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden is basically going to be replacing him, as we all know. So, yep. um, I mean, what did you think of that, Patricia? Like, you just, it just looked really awkward to see. He's there, like a little tiny desk. Like, you know, you would have thought they would have put him behind a podium. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe the podium's in the trunk now and he can't get it out. I'm not too sure. I, I, don't, but, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I mean, you even seen over the past few weeks about how he's been trying so hard to say to places such as Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, saying, I want to recount, I want to recount, I want to recount. They've been recounting and they've been saying constantly, sorry, Joe Biden has won. You're going to have to get over it. You're no longer going to be the president. Oh, and did so you did you hear what happened in in Wisconsin? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah so basically, he spent three million dollars challenging the results, and Biden got an extra hundred and fifty-seven votes. Mm. That's brilliant. Oh. Eh. Is that is that like? Um, I mean, I can't think. Imagine a, a bigger waste of money than obviously doing that. I mean, obviously there's like uh, you know giving all those tax breaks to billionaires, and uh, there's also like other stuff that he's done. But uh, yeah, yeah. That... I mean, okay, that's just one of them. Let's not say it's the worst thing that he spent his money on. Well, I mean, it wasn't even his money; it was only the taxpayers' money that he spent that on. But uh, you know, now, just... anyway. But let's anyway. In addition to that, 
He's also been saying, as of yesterday, saying, oh, um, well, I will definitely say that if the Electoral College has voted for Biden, that he's going to be president, then I will accept it and I will just move on. Mm-hmm. So actually, I think I might actually have live footage of basically what's going on in the White House right now. Do you want me to play it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. All right. We got 15 minutes to clear out the White House before Biden moves in. Take anything that's not nailed down. This copper will fetch a pretty penny at the Chinese market. Mr. President, I'm the used car dealer. You have a car for sale? Right, the presidential limo. She's a sweet ride. $1,500? Make it $1,200. That's called the art of the deal. Biden's on his way. All right, everybody up! (laughs) I've left a surprise for little old Joe. Some smart, very smart, stable genius booby traps. It's been an honor serving you, sir. <laughs> I'm the best wow. thing that ever happened to you, baby. Crap! I still need to leave my presidential goodbye letter. I wrote it in stinking. Oh, right, right! Booby trap! Hey! I paid for four! I gotta get out of here! Yeah, pretty much basically what's happening in there right now. Wow, that if that is not a proper representation of what's going on in the White House, I don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he is able to step into his own trap. I mean, that is perfect shot in Florida right there. He's able to be a jeopardization of himself. Yeah. And well, yeah, shout exactly out to uh, uh, shout out to Spitting Image by the way. I think yeah, that was that was a clip from that show. So. <laughs> well, good job, spitting image. So yeah, I mean, it, it's been an embarrassment. I mean, he could have just said a simple congratulations on his tweet, and then on, and then maybe he would have been quiet for a few weeks. Maybe you know, just like sitting around and just like collecting all of his stuff and saying, you know what, everybody, we did a good run, and we're just going to just leave that White House in peace. And you know, if anything that we can be able to leave behind, we can say that we left with dignity. But of course we didn't. No, of course that's of course not going to happen. Yeah, of course that's not going to happen. So uh, we we know Donald Trump far too well now. So no, <laughs> that course, would, not be, mean, would not be the case. I mean, here's the thing. It's like he was so excited thinking that he was going to win the election. And then it just blew up in his face. And now he's just trying to pick up the pieces and saying, uh, no, 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 uh, I won. I got the most votes. It, it, it's a scam. Biden was cheating. But yeah. then they did the recount and they were like, actually, he got more votes because of the mail-in ballot. So, no, he was not cheating. And, it's and then just we hilarious go, um, that, you know, uh, Rudy Giuliani is still collecting a paycheck uh, right now to, uh, to, you know, to put all these, uh, you know, frivolous lawsuits across. You know, uh, with oh, the, geez. You and, know. and how many of them have uh, actually uh, been one? Uh, well, Zero? They, no, so there's been, for the last time I checked, there was 30 cases that was put across the tray. One was like legit, but it had no bearing on the election whatsoever. But the rest of them basically have been thrown out. So, well, there you go. I mean, zero. That's what I just said. It's like every single time that they did a lawsuit, they're like, no, you have no clear evidence as to this. And um, well, technically speaking, th- he won one of them, but uh, the other 29, he's lost. So, okay. So, but still, I mean, even if he did win that one, I mean, it's still not f- fully. It had, like, no, it had no bearing. It had no bearing on the election. So, basically, yeah, exactly. it would have, it, it like, it was maybe like maybe a couple of hundred, maybe a couple of thousand. I don't know. But, it, uh, it doesn't. It, it regardless. I mean, <laughs> compared to just, like the millions of votes that uh, Joe Biden has got. <laughs> All right. 
Well, well, as of this point, how many votes? Um, over seventy-nine million or something. Yeah, something like that. So it's uh, yeah. What's the uh, what's the current tally at the moment? Because I know they're still counting at the moment, even though it's yeah, finished. they are still counting. If you can believe it, everybody. I mean, we have been a few weeks in, and they are still counting the votes because you know Trump is like saying, uh, no, no, uh, we are not going to accept this. We're going to make sure that every single vote has been counted on. And so far, according to, um, you know, Joe Biden still has 306 electoral college votes. <laughs> North, North Carolina is still counting at the moment. They're, still, oh. they're, they're 99% done. Uh, West Virginia is 99% done, so they're still counting. Pennsylvania actually is still counting at the moment. Well, that, that's, because the, that's because of the recount. It's because, I mean, yeah. yeah. That's declared. I'm trying to think. Oh, Nebraska is still counting. Kansas is still counting. Um, Colorado is still counting. Uh, Montana is still counting. And uh, yeah, so and Oregon's still counting too, and wa and Washington's still counting. Yeah, so you know this is the thing. Like uh, they're really gonna have to up their game uh, in four years' time because you know there's still like yeah there's there's uh, states that have now fully projected for um, a particular candidate officially, but at the moment like uh, these the fact that there's been so many postal votes and the fact that there's been so many absentee voting going on like the system can't cope. So it's still there's still like you can't actually like you know uh, so one percent of uh, votes are still like left on the shelf at the moment that are still yet to be counted. At the moment, mm -hmm. in, some of these, in some of these states, so I mean, like they're going to be—I mean, they're, they're going to be non—they're going to be negligible now because so even if they did like count a couple of thousand, it's still not going to have a bearing on the election result at this point. Mm. So, yeah, but you know, I think uh, Donald Trump's just got to face reality at the moment, even though he doesn't want to, and that is the fact that uh, he's going to be out of the White House soon. He says he's going to wait until the official electoral vote votes come in, but, you know, even if he did get to meet all the electors on December 14th, what's the likelihood is he's going to turn around to 36 of them and say, yeah, come vote for me, and, and deadlock the election and put it over to, the, to uh, uh, the Senate and the House. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's why I said he needs to accept it and move on. But no, he has to be the, the whining brat and he's going to be crying until he gets what he wants. But guess what? The disciplined parent is going to be saying, I'm sorry, but your behavior is not going to get you what you want. You're going to have to accept it. Sorry, let's go, Bobby. Yeah, I, I would I would, it would intrigue everybody to read Mary Trump's book about Donald Trump's, you know, uh, you know uh, mental state at the moment. And I think you'll get an understanding of basically where he is at this point. You know, the, you know, the, I just don't think he has the mental capacity just to accept that he's lost. Yeah. Uh, he, he just, he just can't. So, um, no doubt he's still going to be um, um, entertaining all of us with, or trying to entertain all of us with, uh, you know, these rallies that he's going to do over the next four years and uh, like just campaigning for twenty twenty four. Did you hear actually what he's going to do uh, on the day of the inauguration? He's actually going to announce his presidential candidacy for twenty twenty four on the day of the inauguration. Oh, really? Yeah. Way to smear. On Joe Biden's win, saying, oh, uh, if you don't want Joe Biden to go another four years, and don't worry, people. I'm going to be doing it for 2024, so you get another chance of me. Well, so, yeah. Come on, man. Mind you, how, how how difficult is... I'm just thinking about this right now. Like, uh, if we get to four years, and uh, they're still kind of like that, the same spirit, that kind of like... Uh, projected joe biden off to uh, the white house i mean how difficult is it going to be for donald trump if it's going to be kamala harris who is a woman of color mm. you know like uh, it's uh, and also with all the all the shenanigans that have taken place over the last four years it's like it's uh, i find it very difficult to believe that donald trump could uh, could win 2024 now 
I don't know. Or even that even you have the mental capacity or even the physical capacity to even get that far. You know? Yeah, and, and I've and I've mentioned this many times on this show that you know, when a person becomes president for a long time, they go through copious amounts of stress and you see them age over time. Look at a picture of Lincoln when he was just announced to be president compared to the four years when he had to go through everything like the Civil War and the Emancipation Proclamation and all that kind of stuff. He looked really old. Look at Obama, you know, starting off from his uh, presidential campaign when he was first coming in in 2008 and then all throughout two of his presidential terms he looked really old and really tired so trump in his 70s and you think he'll be able to have another um run at four years i don't know that's that's really hard to say i'm not entirely sure at this stage and uh, i'm actually just gonna i just want to just officially just check this up now you know google is your friend when you come to this stuff yeah so when he runs uh, for president next time around he's gonna be 78 years old Ouch. I mean, that's almost at the point in which you want to start retiring. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, um, where are we going to be in four years' time? Who who knows at this point? I mean, like, uh, we can't even guess what's going to happen with the uh, with the Biden with the Biden team at the moment. So, I mean, there's all these names that are basically being plucked around in regards to that. Oh, did you hear, uh, what was it, uh, Anna Varro, uh, who's on The View, and uh, her reaction to when uh, names were being thrown around for the Biden team? And he basically turned around and said, look, not one in-law, not one person who's facing a scandal, not one person who's a member of Trump's family. Like, it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, this is a, like a, someone who was a like a moderate Republican. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, yeah. But, you know, we're uh, we're going to keep our eyes on it. No doubt the whole world is the whole world is watching at this point. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, this I mean, we have essentially become like the Truman Show. Everybody in the world is watching this one man doing his daily routine. And we're just watching. It's like, what's going to happen next? What other crazy stuff is he going to do this time? Yeah. So, yeah, oh, we, you know, we it's become... like it's like that episode of The Simpsons where like they're all staring at Homer Simpson and like uh, they say, just just give it a second. He's going to do something stupid. You know, like that, that's that's what he's kind of turned into at this point. The Simpsons predicts everything, man. Uh, it re it well, really does. I, mean, I know, man. I mean, they, uh, seriously, go go look up online about everything that The Simpsons has predicted. It's unbelievable. It's like they have a crystal ball somewhere. They must do, yeah. Um, okay, moving on. Um, the Justice Department is going to potentially change the rules to allow federal executions by firing squad. What the hell? Seriously, I mean, are are we back into like? Uh, the days of the war in which, like, if a person did a, a serious crime, we're going to, like, line them up into the wall and have them shot? Like, I mean, I mean, we... Well, we, we have, if, we have... if it's the way that I think it's going to be, so basically what will happen is they'll, they'll, they'll strap the guy to a chair and they'll likely have, uh, you know, the people who will do the executions. But what will happen is, is that they will give them guns. Some of them, four of them will be fake and one of them will have the fatal shot. And so um, the person, so basically the person who, the anonymous person who basically fires the shot, uh, like all four of them won't know who, who fired what, if that makes sense. So none of them can feel guilty about taking that guy's life. No. Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. That, look, I mean, I, I understand that people have done horrible, horrible, horrible things and they would end up in prison. I mean, of course, there's been some cases in which they were innocent, but I'm just talking about the people who have done things like murder or done things like severe um, terrorist crimes, and then they would be sentenced to death. And you know, they, they would do things like, uh, you know, lethal injections. They used to do the electric chair. Some of them even used to do hangings. But firing squad is, like, taking it way too extreme. Like, oh, wow. Like, 
I, on top of that as well, it's, it's almost... The problem is, is that some people take it as like an act of martyrdom. So, you know, Saddam Hussein, when he was being executed, wanted to be executed by firing squad. So. I mean, I can understand that because, you know, he he's, you know, a military guy. And I, I can see that. But still, just what? Yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing about this. If you're running out of the juice to basically kill people, maybe it's time to probably consider that maybe we're killing too many people and maybe it's time to get rid of the death penalty altogether. Or, yeah, or maybe we can try to find legit ways of not overcrowding our prisons. Like, if a person did something, like, as small as even, oh, we found some marijuana, and we're going to sentence you for four years in prison. It's like, hey... Well, um, that's, that's nothing we to do with getting the death penalty. I mean, like... Oh, I know uh, that. I'm just saying, like, um, our, our prisons are getting overcrowded. I'm just saying, hey, maybe we can be able to find maybe more positive ways of maybe turning people into, like, good citizens, as opposed to, like, just throwing them in jail. So, so, so basically, you're arguing that if we had less people in jail, we would have no reason to execute people because obviously then we'd have like uh but the thing is i think the reason why people want to execute people is like it's more like kind of like you know this motivation of revenge unlike uh, their idea of justice which i think is a really unhealthy you know attitude i think to take in regard in regards to things like that but uh, um you know in, in my opinion like i will probably get rid of the death penalty altogether Moving on, uh, we're going to talk about the Solomon Islands because uh, they have decided to ban Facebook in the interest of national unity. National unity, huh? Yeah. So um, the idea is, is that uh, I mean, well, this is the like, the, this is like coming back to haunt Facebook now because we've been talking for a long time. Uh, for those of you who uh, probably do not know, I left Facebook uh, a while back ago because I just couldn't stand all the, like all the fake news that was going on there. Uh, at, the, at the time and uh, all like all the crazy you know uh, conspiracy theories that were going around so i left and uh, maybe we'll say like oh twitter's probably no better and things like that well it really depends on who you follow at the end of the day but uh, i find you know the social media platforms a bit of a happier place to stay in than uh, facebook right now and uh with and i don't seem to be the only one because uh according to this um the government of the Solomon Islands has uh, defended its plans to ban Facebook, insisting that the move will preserve quote-unquote national unity. Uh, ministers say that the world's largest social media platform has been quote-unquote grossly abused, but critics insist that the ban is an attempt to shut down criticism of the government's economic policies. So, um, you know, this is a thing that a lot of countries have also done. China, Iran, North Korea, and Syria have also put bans on Facebook. I mean, well, North Korea kind of bans everything, really. But, uh, I mean, um, in regards to... You you know, the spread of misinformation that happens on Facebook. I mean, um, unfortunately, I mean, I don't want to defend, you know, censorship. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I think, uh, you know, I am a big supporter of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, and uh, I've always been a big supporter of free speech. But uh, at the same time, this is going to be a massive wake-up call for Facebook because they're getting to the point where, you know, most of the world can't trust what they do, and uh, they just kind of let, like, conspiracy theories just run rife on their fat platform. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they really need to do a massive shakeup into what they can be able to post on their uh, platform because a lot of people can be able to post whatever they want. And, you know, they not only with politics, but they can also spread uh, misinformation regarding about global warming and a whole bunch of other things and people will believe in it. And, you know, anybody can be able to post up anything they want and, you know, they don't have to worry about, like, copyright claims and they don't have to worry about, like, oh, um, moral issues or anything like that. So, yeah, I think she, I think Facebook needs to, like, look through all the, um, you know, all the um, accounts on what they're posting and they'll be like, okay, you know, this person is not saying the right information. We should, like, 
tell them to, you know, either change it up or have it removed. So, well, I mean, they've been doing that kind of already. They've basically been saying they, they, need uh, to, they need to tighten it up even more because of stuff like this. Yeah, well, like, yeah, again, like this is the reputation that Facebook is getting right now. And, uh, you know, they, I certainly understand all the arguments about free speech and things like that. But uh, at the same time, if you're um, maliciously putting false information out there to confuse people, that is, uh, you know, you, you, you can't argue with the fact that uh, that's basically being malicious. And uh, it's just, it's, it's uh, totally making a mockery of freedom of speech in that regard. So, I mean, that's just, uh, that's my view on it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not in favor of bans and things like that. But at the same time, if, uh, you know, if you end up with people talking about that, that's a massive wake up call, I think, for yourself. And uh, they really need to uh, get a grip on like all the false information that's uh, spreading out there at the minute. Because look at what's going on with, um, you know, with the coronavirus right now, like and all the vaccine stuff and the anti-lockdown stuff. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's really confusing people. And it's um, really, um, it's really not a good, a good way of uh, using social media if all it's doing is uh, you know forcing people to like uh, go out and not believe in the coronavirus and they themselves get sick from the f- and also spread it on to their families like it's just exactly it's, yeah, yeah. It, 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 all this stuff has consequences at the end of the day of course so, yeah um i think we're pretty much in agreement on that like uh, you know you know facebook should really you know do something about that but you know at the same time free speech should be should be maintained Exactly. And, you know, I think that Facebook, I think they're noticing that not a lot of people are signing on to Facebook accounts because we have a lot of social media platforms. We have Twitter, we have Tumblr, we have Snapchat, we have Instagram. So it's like not a lot of people are are using Facebook as much anymore. Well, basically, because they're saying there's places to be than Facebook at the moment. I mean, uh, I'm spending more time on Twitter and Reddit, pretty much. Yeah. And Instagram. And, you know, I... Yeah, and I post a lot of my stuff on Twitter, and I post a lot of my stuff on, um, you know, the YouTube community uh, for the for my videos and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I post Facebook because, you know, I know I still have an audience there who uses that and not Twitter. So, you know, I, I'm sure that there'll be a day in which I don't need to post it as much anymore because I don't have a lot of um, reason to do it. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the Solomon Islands doing this in regards to national unity. I mean, if it really is to hide, like you know, the economic turmoil that that, you know, that's that, that's that's bad. I mean, like uh, you know, it's uh, in that case. Then I think you know you should it'd be really concerning if the Solomon Islands, you know, if they can get away with doing this, then they can probably get away with doing it with other social media platforms as well, which is uh, is not good. In, uh, in in that in that case, but uh, I mean, if they're talking about like you know trying to stop the spread of false information, I mean, it's uh, um, other countries have had to do it as well. You know, when uh, violence has has uh, flared up, and so it's uh, it's uh, unfortunately it's going to be a massive debate, I think, for a lot of people, and um, for you know whether you know is it infringing on free speech or is it uh, you know keeping the the public safe. I mean, it's uh, I, you know I can see right and wrong on on both sides of this. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, once again, I mean, we could probably have a whole debate about this. Yeah, so. Um, okay, moving on. Um, Toy Story 2 is now 21 years old. Uh, so it's now yes. it's now legally allowed to drink. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think uh, so. Toy Story Two is still to this day. I mean, it was uh, it was our number one. Um, uh, no, it was our number two uh, uh, pick on Pixmix, wasn't it? When we did the uh, did yes, the count. Yes, it was. So yes, it was. It was. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it was um, that and the original Toy Story were in like the top two. And um, speaking of Toy Story, the original celebrated a 25th anniversary. But, you know, they, they've been doing like the whole t- hashtag Toy Story 25. But we're talking about Toy Story 2. So, yeah, I mean, you have to understand about how much of a huge risk that Toy Story 2 was. I mean, we discussed about it on Pixmix, so go listen to that. But, 
yeah, I mean, uh, even with um, all of the sequels that came out afterwards, like Toy Story 3, and there was um, Incredibles 2, and Cars 2 and 3, um, Toy Story 2 is still held in very high regard. Well, there's a thing, like, uh, Toy Story uh, Toy Story 2 was like, it was like the most anticipated sequel of all time. I think we can all agree on that. And uh, my goodness, did they really pay dividends to... Uh, you know, uh, you know, knocking really out of the park. You know, it was uh, it, it, it expanded on the um, Buzz Lightyear universe. It's uh, it expanded on you know Woody's universe as well, and uh, it, it basically took us to uh, more locations than uh, you know just uh, you know the the petrol station and Pizza Planet, which uh, we kind of like knew the um, Toy Story world to be at that time. So it had the ability to kind of like expand um, the the world uh, a lot more. Uh, it introduced us to like uh, characters that uh, we still remember to this day. You know, it's. Um, you know, it uh, gave us a really good villain as well, uh, who had a really good motivation to like kidnap Woody, and uh, yeah, and also it uh, gave us uh, another uh, big villain that uh, was unexpected, and uh, which uh, you know was um, obviously the beginning of the twist villain, if you will. And uh, well, no, yeah, the, the, the beginning of the twist villain, yes. Yeah, I mean, like not to say we haven't had twist villains in the past, but uh, obviously the Prospector, I think, was a notable t- t- twist villain. I think we can yeah, and, and also a twist villain that had an a, like a legit motivation as to why he was doing this. Like a lot of twist villains, is like, oh, you know, you didn't really see it coming, and the reasoning behind it was kind of dumb or it didn't make any sense. But with the prospector, it made a lot of sense on why he would do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, also at the time, the, um, the the graphics had to get a lot better too. So that was uh, one thing also noted in. Uh, in a Toy Story, because I think you know, in the in the original Toy Story, you can actually kind of notice it is a bit jacky when you like uh, when when you when you first watch it, when you start watching it now in the, you know today's HD world. But uh, obviously, Toy Story two was uh, a lot more tightened up techno- technology wise as well, and uh, also kind of set the uh, the standard, if you will, for three uh, D animation and uh, going forward and like how it should look and how it should move and uh, how it can be how it can be achieved and how more high in depth it can be. So um, from a technical standpoint, and also actually from a sound standpoint as well, like uh, you know, we loved the way it sounds. We loved the way we loved the soundtrack. We can still remember like some of the, um, yeah, even in my head, I can still like hear the, uh, you know, the the Avengers music going on, and also like you know the uh, uh, Woody's Roundup as well, and uh, how you know diverse the soundtrack was. Like it, it has a lot going for it. So you know, if you're one of those very few people who has not seen Toy Story two yet, I urge you to actually go out, put this podcast down just for a second, go watch Toy Story two, and then come back. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have a Disney Plus account, you have no reason not to watch Toy Story two. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Toy Story two, uh, twenty one years old, and now can dr- gets to get itself drunk. So you know, uh, happy, happy trails, <laughs> happy trails, Toy Story two. Yes, yes. Uh, get yourself some whiskey and, um, you know, go watch Toy Story 2. Uh, so once poisoned the water hole. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> what is up? <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about a movie that's uh, far too young to, dr- to drink yet, and that is uh, Hey Arnold, the Jungle Movie, which is now celebrating its third year anniversary this week. Yes, it has. And uh, Craig, as usual, was giving off his thanks for, you know, people supporting the Jungle movie and uh, people watching it and people loving and appreciating it. So, you know, once again, shout out to Craig. And yeah, I mean, it's been uh, three years since, uh, you know, I remember the day that we actually both watched it together and because you couldn't wait for it to come to the UK. And so, uh, yeah, that was a great time that we uh, sat down and we watched it. And uh, we we did 
you know, give our pros and cons of the Jungle movie, which you can check out on uh, the Old School Link YouTube channel. Uh, but don't worry, you know, I'm still putting together the, the script for part three, which is the aftermath. And it's a good thing I didn't write it because I found out so many things that came out afterwards that I wanted to put down. But yeah, I'm, I'm just so appreciative that the fans were able to come together and, uh, you know, we have the aftermath, which is the Hey Arnold Jungle movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, also, he has a sentiment for me and Patricia because it was kind of like our first movie we kind of watched together, really. So, like, I mean, we weren't a couple yet, but uh, we were basically two friends. But, uh, you know, it was kind of like our, our kind of like our first uh, sort of kind of movie date, you guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say it was kind of like our first movie date. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so, look, going back to the movie itself, I mean, I would still say it still holds up. I mean, um, there's a lot of people who, who watch it and still praise it for, like, uh, the fact that it, it doesn't uh, stray away too much from the, the Hey Arnold, um, you know, world, if you will. I mean, obviously, there's some notable cons in it that we, we uh, point out in that video. But uh, in regards to, like, Hey Arnold as, um, as uh, a unit, I think uh, the Jungle movie, despite the fact that it's now in HD... I mean, like, I don't know, wouldn't it have worked if they decided, oh, hey, we're going to keep it in standard definition and it's 4 on free and, like, kind of, like, try and make it, like, that old school, I guess you could say, maybe, I don't um, know. Um, I don't would know. It have worked? I mean, if it, here's the thing, if it would have aired on Nick Rewind, I think it would have been really clever, but the fact that it aired on Nickelodeon and then aired on Nick and Knight, maybe it would have worked for Nick and Knight, but not on Nickelodeon when, you know, HD is pretty much the standard for a lot of kids who are watching it. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the target audience, maybe the target audience was wrong. I think that's one thing I'll definitely say. Like, this was not built for, um, you know, a, um, uh, what was it, a, uh, a 6 to 12-year-old demographic. I think that's, uh, you know, Nickelodeon goes for in regards to that. I think it should have basically been maybe, maybe it should have been like something that was released on Netflix. And uh, it should have basically been that type of movie. That, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, here's the, the thing. The like, they were doing it were at a time it. in which when they thought that their audience would get into Hey Arnold, and they would think, oh, you know, if we post it on Nickelodeon, then everything will be fine. But no, I mean, the only people who are watching it, and I can attest to this because I got the TV viewings that a lot of people who were tuning in were the, you know, the 25 to 34 demographic. Not a lot of kids were tuning into watching it. And then they are thinking, oh, let's just put everything on Netflix because, you know, that's where the older demographic is. And that's why uh, Sadik Kling and uh, Enter the Florpus came into Netflix and not on TV. Well, I mean, like, uh, in regards to the ratings, it actually did rather well. Like, it was still, like, in the top 10, and it was it was on basketball season as well. So, like, uh, you know, it was, a, it, it was enough to turn people's heads away from basketball to go, like, watch the, uh, you know, to, to go watch, a, you know, a cartoon show from back in the 90s, you know, have, a, like, a exactly. one last and run. That um, a lot of people seem to say, like, oh, it was a failure, blah, 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 blah. It's like, it wasn't. It was in the top 10 twice, because, remember, it aired on Nickelodeon, and it aired on Nick at Night an hour later. So, um, you have to remember that this came out around Thanksgiving, and around the top five, the things that people were watching were Christmas movies and football games. And we're gonna bring and we're gonna bring this up on the aftermath when people are saying like, "Oh, you know, Hey Arnold Jungle movie was a failure in the ratings." It's like it wasn't. It I, I, I remember. I, I know who you're talking about. I remember that video. It was the dumbest video like review I ever I ever watched on YouTube. It really was, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm not even. I, I, that, person, that person knows who he is, and quite frankly, you know, he's. I mean, the times I've seen him, like to you know, comment on cartoons, like it makes me wonder. Like, uh, I mean, he's clearly a hobbyist. Like, he he doesn't understand the industry at all. You know, like. Uh, you know. I mean, I I think I remember a long time ago about like some really popular YouTuber who used to talk about cartoons. Well, they're a dime and, a dozen now, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. But um, back then. Um, 
this guy was like had over a hundred thousand uh subscribers and you know he was part of the channel federator network like i was uh well I, I still am part of the channel federator network but he actually did do a few videos for them and then he did a confession saying i have to confess I actually didn't watch any of the cartoons I was talking about. And Oops. so everybody just dropped him off and saying, like, we're going to talk to a person who's, like, legit. Yeah. So it's like, you have to be careful on, you know, if you're going to be stating your opinions on things, you have to actually, like, back it up. Yeah. You know? Well, it annoys me because, I mean, I'm a guy with an opinion. So, I mean, like, everyone has the right to say, oh, I'm, I don't, I don't want to listen to you. So, like, uh, that, that's, that's perfectly within, within saying that. But, you know, if, if you're going to talk about, like, a specialist subject, you know, one thing I would say is, is that uh, you should probably at least have some kind of, like, idea of, like, what the industry is. And you should have like, some, like, idea of, like, what you're talking about. In a way, like, uh, the fact that we've had a lot of people who are basically just saying, oh, well, I know how to operate a YouTube channel and a video editor, so I'm just going to basically do this. And I kind of, like, no, like, you know, educational or like, any kind of experience uh, to kind of, like, back up what you say. It's just, it's, uh, I just find it uh, just, uh, you know, just a turnoff to, like, have, a, like, a guy kind of, like, turn and I know I say this kind of, like, you know, uh, ironically, but uh, um, if I wanted to learn more about a subject, I kind of, like, want to be educated by somebody who is uh, educated within the subject, if that makes sense, you know. Mm. And here's the thing, like, um, if I didn't know about a subject that I'm going to be talking about in a podcast, then I would either do one of two things. I would actually sit down and watch it, or I would get people who know about the subject in and out, and I would have them on the show and let them do the talking. Like, for Power Rangers. <laughs> You're far more sensible than I am, babe. You know, like, I would have basically just said, you know, I'm just going to give my opinion, and uh, if people want to call me out on it, then, you know, I just say, welcome to it, and uh, I'll just learn from my experiences, you know? Okay, well... Anyway, but going into the the jungle movie, uh, I you know I, I I know a lot of people have stated about like oh you know it was a failure and it didn't do well in the views and that's why and you know they even blamed the jungle movie for you know basically the reason on why Static Kling and Enter the Florpus didn't air on the Nickelodeon channel itself and that's why it got delayed for almost a year. They're, they've been blaming the Jungle Movie for it, saying like, oh, if the Jungle Movie did better, then we would actually have these a lot sooner. It's the Jungle Movie's fault. So people were putting the blame on it for quite yeah, a while. Yeah, but then, you then know, didn't Enter the Floppers and, uh, you know, and uh, Static Kling actually do pretty well on Netflix. Oh, I did amazingly well on Netflix. Well, there uh, you go. Like, uh, anyone what? there who's saying like, oh, it should have like suffered the same fate as the Jungle Movie clearly doesn't know what they're talking about. Because if you, you know, uh, also the same thing with Avatar The Last Airbender when it uh, came out on Netflix eventually. Like, yeah, I know it's, it's had reruns on uh, Nickelodeon, but clearly it's not had like the same reception as it has on Netflix. And so, if anything, um, you know, uh, the fact that they've, uh, the Jungle Movie aired first on Nickelodeon gave a very good idea that uh, you know the the current generation of Nickelodeon viewers may not be taken in by uh, you know Nicktoons from back in the heyday, but if they release them on Netflix to an audience where people have a Netflix account and uh, basically grew up with that particular thing, then it's going to be successful on that platform and not the other one. You know, I've always argued that uh, you know, or forget the uh, the fact that uh, it was going to be on Nickelodeon. I argued it should have been a theatrical release. I would have thought, mm -hmm. you know, and so uh, they should have thrown a lot of money behind it, and it would have. Uh, been a pretty cool thing to watch but uh i mean the fact that and also it was i will admit it was released in um jungle movie was released in in some phases in limited capacity i will I, exactly I that. like that, that's but, another thing that we're going to be bringing up in the aftermath is that it took a while like maybe weeks or even months until it was released worldwide like I think in Canada, it released around, like, January, and then places like New Zealand and Australia aired it much later on. I think in Australia, 
is when they actually released it in theaters in conjunction with their local movie theater company. And there was like promotions for it. I actually do have the, um, the promotion of it somewhere in my computer. So yeah, you have to remember that it took, it wasn't like, oh, you know, it aired like, um, you know, one day and then a few days later it would air everywhere else. That's not how it worked. It actually took a long time for a lot of people to get the jungle movie. Mm hmm. So, I mean, uh, if you got it in the U.S., you got it immediately, but uh, it was uh, for international uh, consumption. It was uh, quite a few, uh, even, a, even a year before, obviously, it started to come out. So, uh, you know, it was... Uh, there you go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, The Jungle Movie, three years old, still loved it then, still love it now. So it mm -hmm. um, still takes pride and still takes pride place on, and some of that as well. Like that that movie is a trophy to me because we spent you know, a good number of years uh, campaigning to get uh, Hey Arnold back on TV, and we did it. You know, and so I'm very proud that we actually uh, got to the end of that. While you know other uh, campaigns have uh, not gone so well. I mean, like uh, Jim, you know, the Jimmy Neutron fans. You know, shout out to them by the way. Are still fighting to this day. I think they've been fighting uh, you know just as long. I think uh, for I think the Hey Arnold fans for the uh, another movie, another Jimmy ne Neutron movie to come out so yeah I mean, especially since you know that the second movie jimmy neutron for the search for carl was canceled yeah mind you i think given the fact that carl got his own spin-off i mean did we really want him as like no, no, you know, someone he got his own spin-off carl never got a spin-off oh uh, um so which one was carl Carl, you know, the the kid with the glasses. Oh, the yeah, sorry, like, uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know, maybe they probably saw the warning signs of when they gave, uh, you know, uh, one of the characters there in spin-off show. Oh, maybe Sheen, thought, yeah. Yeah, Sheen, yeah, yeah. Sheen, I, I felt, was not the right character to give his own show because, you know, Sheen was like, the he was perfect as a side character. He was the goofy one who always talked about Ultra Lord, and he was just too zany and out there. Like, he was not main protagonist material. And I felt that that was a big mistake that they did that. I mean, even still well, to this day, I mean, they're not going to learn their lessons from it because Patrick Starr is going to be coming up soon. So, oh God! Oh God! Yeah, they're they're definitely not learning. Nickelodeon is definitely not learning their lesson. It's like, oh, uh, you know, well, let's wait about another ten years and let's see if uh, we can do the same mistake again. So it's like, yeah, I mean. I mean, here's the thing, like, you know, they took they took Sheen way out of his elements, you know, put him into space and interacted with a bunch of space creatures. And that was weird. And I mean, even John A. Davis, uh, the guy who created um, Jimmy Neutron, I mean, he wasn't a part of the spinoff series. And I think in an interview with um, um, Hector from the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast, he, he even didn't like the idea. So, yeah, I mean, if you don't have the respect and well wishes of the creator itself himself, then... Yeah, you're not going to get it. And I know that Steven Hillenburg was dead, and he didn't want spin-off series based off of SpongeBob. But yet, the, Nickelodeon's going to do it anyway. So you know, they they own the rights and they have the money, so they know that SpongeBob is their cash cow. So let's like, yeah, let's let's just do a Patrick Star spin-off series and yeah. the Camp Coral, and then maybe a Squidward one because we can do that. Well, it could have been worse. It could have been Sheen and Elmira. Oh God, no. Yeah. Anyway, let's move away from that horrible scene and uh, let's uh, talk about uh, something that's, that might be pretty cool. So, Cowboy Bebop, uh, six cast in Netflix live-action remake of the cult anime TV series. So, um, Patricia, you know far more about Cowboy Bebop than I am, so I'll give you the floor first. All right. So, Cowboy Bebop was an anime that premiered around 1997. It was uh, an anime that was created by Hajima Yatare. And it's essentially about a group of bounty hunters who are going around in space. Think of it like a precursor to Firefly, in which you have, you know, all these people who are going around in space and doing a lot of bounty hunting and stuff like that. And uh, they 
uh, are known as the Cowboys. And you have Spike Spiegel, who is the main protagonist, and you have a whole bunch of other characters. You have um, Jet, you have Faye, Edward, and their dog, Ian. Uh, Ian, I'm sorry. Uh, it's kind of con kind of confusing about how to you know do the two. So the show was created, uh, uh, you know, based off of the manga series, and it only had about like twenty six episodes. But for a lot of people, it was the anime that like really was incredibly groundbreaking and revolutionary for its time with this interesting noir and its space western vibes and its interesting characters and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this was when anime was going in a completely different direction. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they know about, like, the crucial anime of the 90s. You have your Dragon Ball Z, you have your Sailor Moon, you have your Yu Yu Hakusho, you have your Neon Genesis Evangelion. But Cowboy Bebop was treated a lot more seriously while at the same time having a touch of humor. And uh, it had really complex storylines and deep characters. And a lot of people still praise it to this day as like one of the best anime that has ever came out. It's it's one of my personal favorites for sure. And so I and here's the thing: Japan has been known for doing a lot of live action work based off of their anime. They've done it um, for Full Metal Alchemist. They've done it for Bleach. They've done it for Death Note. I mean, to hear about like they're gonna do a live action version of Cowboy Bebop is not too surprising. But an American version now. American versions of anime has started to become more prevalent with this, the likes of something like Death Note, in which they had like that that Netflix anime, that Netflix live action series that a lot of people have mixed opinions on. But the fact that we're going to be getting one for Cowboy Bebop, I mean, it would be like the easiest thing to do because it's like, hey, let's let's do Firefly, but you know, with a different storyline, and there you go. But I'm not sure about how they're going to be able to do this. I mean, we know some of the actors so far, as um, as I mentioned uh, with um, um, the announcement, that they are going to be having like a few people who have been confirmed to playing as these characters. And um, I don't really know a lot of them per se, so I can't really say about how they're going to be acting in this role. So yeah, I'm definitely going to have to wait and see for at least a trailer to know about what my, th my thoughts are on this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, in regards to like, I mean, just live anime, you know, live action turning from you know, from anime in general. I mean, it's uh, it just feels a bit bizarre for me because I mean, um, I mean, I, I know anime is a little bit more has a little bit more uh, seriousness to it than uh, you know, your typical cartoon show really does. But uh, at the same time, it's still you know you can still get away with a lot more in animation than you can do in live action, and uh, you know, so um, I highly doubt when they say live action. I mean, I'm going to see how live action they're going to make this because I think we can pretty much know that uh, given the subject matter. I think you know, no doubt. Uh, you know, uh, CGI is going to get involved here, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, with, I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people were like really conflicted about this because, I mean, you essentially have an anime that um, has become incredibly revolutionary in terms of like, this is how a lot of people first got into anime. And, you know, the story is fantastic. It's really interesting. And the morals are very complex and, they're thinking about like how can you turn that into live action, and that's what they've been doing. They've been taking, they've been doing live action versions of animated films and TV shows, and I know they've been doing it for a long time. But I think in more recent ones, I mean, what was the last one that you can say, hey, you know, they turned this animated thing into live action? That was a great idea. They were able to do some new things to it. Like, mm. what, what, can, what would you say? About I, 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 I got to be honest with you, my mind's a blank because every time I've seen one of these things, because. Uh, who was it? What was the uh, what was that battle? What was that battle one? What was it called? Uh, a battle child, something or other. 
Um, I, like, I, I can't remember of the, the time, but uh, I mean, like uh, every time I hear about like, oh, hey, they're going to take this anime and they're going to make it live action and uh, they're going to basically do this. I never hear about it. Either I, I never hear about it again because it just doesn't take off or basically it gets ma- it just get panned, you know, in, in a slight class and they, they just go back to the original the original material. You know, exactly. Just, yeah. and, and, and it's really sad that there are going to be people out there who are going to say, hey, you know, the live action w- version was good because, you know, cartoon is a kid's thing and I can't really treat it seriously. And, and guess what? There is an audience who are like that. And when they see, you know, either a live action, you know, version of a video game or a cartoon or anything like that. And, you know, they're going to be more familiar with that as opposed to like the source material itself. And they won't be interested in it because it's like it, it's like. You know, video games and cartoons are like downgraded to like juvenile stuff, yeah. and they won't know about the source material and they won't get the story. But so, you know, like uh, the fact that um, you know anime is getting to the point now where like you know everyone knows about Akira. Like uh, they recently just re-released it, you know, for an anniversary, and uh, you know everyone still talks about Dragon Ball Z to this day. You know, like it just being like this really awesome show, and uh, the fact that uh, you know even Ghost in the Shell and uh, various other you know very highly acclaimed. Uh, anime titles still get talked about and uh, the many they I don't know every time they seem to talk about like, either reboots or um you know live action or like or whatever or like uh, just doing something else with the material it just it just doesn't seem to get uh much praise or just get much attention because I think the uh, because the original source is just so perfect that uh, they can't imagine it being done in any other ways I don't think, and uh, I think that's what's going to. Uh, I think that's the reason why you know the. Uh, I mean, obviously, I know this is an anime, and I know it's a it's a Nickelodeon product, but uh, I think that's one of the reasons why Avatar, I think, is going to struggle so much because people are so in tuned with like the original show and like the idea of it being done live action, especially when you know they still have like the uh, the M Night Shyamalan version with a bad taste in their mouth still. Like, I mean, it's just it's uh it's going to be very difficult, I think, to get anime fans to believe that hey, we can do this show, but we can do it in a live action setting, and uh, we can make a bit more you know uh, uh unbelievable than and more out of the world than uh the anime version can be and that's a really imp- a difficult thing to pull off yeah it is very difficult to pull off so yeah i'm gonna have to wait and see about how they're gonna treat cowboy bebop but uh if you are interested in checking out um a more recent take on why the show became influential i would highly recommend that you check out um uh, what was it? Oh, oh, yeah. I would highly recommend that you do check out uh, Eric Malinsky's podcast, Imaginary Worlds, where he does discuss about um, the huge cultural influence that Cowboy Bebop left behind. So, yeah, if, if you guys are not familiar with Cowboy Bebop, then just listen to that podcast first to get an insight onto why people still love the show, um, you know, over almost 30 years later. So that's what I would say. Um, I just thought of an interesting thing. What if, uh, I mean, I know we talk about like anime, you know, going one way, but we never talk about like, you know, uh, Western, um, you know, properties ever going the other way. I mean, the only one that seems to come out to my mind at the minute right now is Powerpuff Girls, because obviously that became an anime in Japan. But uh, I mean, um, what, yeah, what, what, what about like, yeah, what about, like you know, uh, DC characters or like, uh, you know, Marvel characters, you know, you know, they doing animes of like those, those properties, like, you know, I think a Batman anime, obviously, will, you know, we'll be right at home, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess maybe there is one, but we don't know of it. But yeah, there's Powerpuff Girls Z, and then I know that they did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. But yeah, you're right. Uh, there, you know, it's very rare that there would be an anime equivalent of a Western cartoon. I mean, I know that in Western cartoons they do have Japanese voice actors portraying as these characters, 
Um, but yeah, like you don't hear about like, oh, we're going to do uh, SpongeBob in an anime form, or we're going to do um, the Owl House anime form, or we're going to do, um, I don't know, like any other uh, gumball in an animated form. Uh, anime okay, form. so, so, uh, uh, so I'm sorry to interrupt you. Like, uh, I'm just looking, uh, I just typed in like a Batman anime and uh, the Google seems to be suggesting Batman Ninja. But uh, I mean, like uh, that was more... 3D, I thought it was more than... I know it's Japanese animation, but uh, I didn't think it was like, you know, anime as in, you know, traditional 2D anime, I would have thought. but uh, Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I know what Batman Ninja is. It's basically where Batman, you know, goes into Japan. So, I mean, I guess, you know, there's that, but that's not really, you know... Um, you know, Jap uh, a Japanese anime like you would, like, oh, you know, how you take Batman the Animated Series and then, you know, make it into an anime where it has, like, a continuing storyline and, you know, it has, like, really deep, complex morals and that kind of stuff. We're not expecting, like, that. No. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even with like Superman or anything like that. I mean, we had an an American version of Astro Boy, which Astro Boy is the most popular character in Japan. I mean, he is like their Mickey Mouse. We have an American version of that back in the two thousands, but you know, I mean, I don't know if there's any like Mickey Mouse anime in Japan. So it's like. Yeah, I'm actually curious. I mean, I don't know if it's a copyright thing. I'm not sure. Uh, mind you, Disney now have a have a have a, a say in the in the Japanese market. Whether they'll actually go anime, I mean, I'm not entirely sure at this point. But uh, I mean, uh, keep in mind, like uh, they did a deal with me with uh, with Studio Ghibli to uh, do Western releases of uh, all the you know all their all their movies. So like uh, I mean so it's not it's not like uh, you know you know Disney hasn't uh, uh, dipped their toe in uh, in this subject matter I mean whether they would actually go out and say oh hey we're going to do an Aladdin anime or like uh, we're going to do a Mulan anime or something like that like you know in doing like in the in the in the anime version like released it under you know the Brenna Vista name I don't know but uh, I mean it'd be interesting to see if uh, Disney decides to have a go at the Japanese market and say oh hey you know here's this uh, material that you've all been brought up with over several decades like here's our version of it now like uh, I'll tell you what though I would prefer re watching uh, you know um, reimaginations of classic Disney movies as animes rather than live action at this point wouldn't you agree oh yes I do so much agree like I, I and here's the thing Disney are Still continue it because it makes them money it's like hey um disney you know make uh, you know movies based off of like properties that a lot of people want to see like i want to see a gargoyles movie so badly please do it yeah, I, I, yeah yes, a gargoyles like, you know, live action movie actually will be pretty cool you know yeah like, like you know put it in new york city and you know feature like good looking cg gargoyles and such it's like oh that would be so good and bring the you know bring uh keith david back because oh I love that guy so it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, you know what would be hilarious for a superhero movie for Disney? What's that? Gizmo Duck. Uh, can't be as worse as Condor Man. Oh man, that actually that actually will be. If Gizmo got got it, like oh, what a great setting is like. You know, it's a it's a it's a guy. It's a loser who lives in his trailer, and all of a sudden, like you know, the scientist you know gives him this suit, and like you know, all of a sudden he's got to like you know become the superhero. Like you yeah. know, just, oh, that actually yeah, exactly. will be pretty good to watch. That would be funny. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, speaking of uh, things that aren't CGI at the moment, um, Gremlins 3 has been talked about again. And, uh, yes. 
So, Chris Columbus is, uh, is offering an update on the sequel, and uh, his latest update to say that uh, if they do do the movie, the creatures will not be in CGI. Well, that's good, because a lot of people were afraid that the gremlins were going to be in CGI. Pretty I mean, much. they don't want to see, you know, Gizmo, and they don't want to see all the other gremlin creatures in CGI. I mean, I know that that would have been the easiest thing to do. I mean, you know, Gremlins 1 and Gremlins 2, they had the puppetry. You know, they, you know, that's what appealed to a lot of people. It's like, oh, you know, we in a time in which we did have, like, the puppet um, motion and stop motion animation. I mean, it came out in the 80s, so... You know, the fact that everything has to be in CGI, it's kind of like how I see people talking about, you know, comparing the, the graphics of Jurassic Park to Jurassic World. It's like, oh, you know, Jurassic World doesn't look as good as Jurassic Park, but that's because they not only combined CGI with animatronics and puppetry, but they were able to do, like, good lighting effects and all that kind of stuff. They were able to take advantage of it. But, you know, people were thinking about, like, oh, you know, the gremlins, don't feed them after, don't feed them after midnight. Uh, you know, they would only come out in the dark. So, you know, CGI wouldn't look as good in the dark if you do it in the wrong way. So they, 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 people are afraid of that. And so when they hear that it's not going to be CGI, people are relieved with that. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know the story about Gremlins 3 at the minute. I mean, I don't know what, how it's going to continue on from, like, the second movie, but, uh, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, are we talking about Gremlins, like, in a modern setting, I think, at this point? Or is, uh, is going to, like, is going to be, like, you know, in its time, if you will, like, it'll just, like, continue on from, like, uh, where it left off? I don't know the story either, to be quite honest. I've been, I've been following it for the past year on Live and Wired with uh, Decker and Creepy. Um, you know, where the, we get, like, bits of information. It's like, it's going to come out on this time. No, it's going to come out on this time because of COVID. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I haven't really heard... I mean, I'm sure that there is a story. And, you know, somewhere in one of the articles that I found, but I don't remember it. It's been a long time. Yeah. Since I, I could just imagine this uh, horrible scene where, like, uh, you know, like all these teenagers, like, say, oh, hey, look, there's a gremlin. Quick, let's get an Instagram picture of it. You know, like... Uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. It's like, you. I mean, the original Gremlins was about, you know, an Asian guy who gives, um, you know, the main character, like, a little gremlin and you know he is told not to feed it after midnight and he's talking about like uh you know all the talks about like you know i don't like technology and all that kind of stuff and so you know he takes care of gizmo and then you know he gets fed after midnight and then they have this whole you know shebangle going on with like um massive spread and of the gremlins like breaking chaos and then the second movie which is essentially like a parody of it it's like you know they make fun of the don't feed them after midnight there's a whole bunch of different styles of gremlins out there i mean it basically pokes one of the original and people didn't like when it first came out but now it's been getting a bit of a cult classic because it's like it was kind of misunderstood it's like oh uh, you know i wish it had matched up with the original and that kind of stuff so what is gremlins 3 going to be about because in addition to this there's also going to be a gremlin series i believe it's on shutter that, that, that's going to be coming out so is that is that going to be in kin to that is it going to match to the tone of the first movie or the second movie well it's given like, that the trend right now is reboot culture i can well imagine they're just going to like uh, this make a joke about rebooting the gremlins I guess maybe you're right. I don't know. That's kind of hard to say because, I mean, it says Gremlins 3, so it's most likely, I mean, here's well, the thing. Well, like, they're, they're saying Gremlins 3 at the moment, but we don't know if that's going to be its official title or not. Like, uh, uh, I guess you're right. That's true. I mean, even, you know, with like Godfather 2, it's not a sequel. It's a prequel. So, you know what? It's like, just because it has a 3 and it doesn't mean it's going to be a continuation of anything else. Yeah. I mean, what if it is a prequel and they make fun of prequels? Like, like this is the story oh, before, like, the original story. Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, we're going to talk about the story before the gremlins. Where did the gremlins come from? It's like, who cares? Let's just do some crazy havoc. Well, it all started with the Big Bang. And, like, <laughs> uh, and this movie is going to be a million years long. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Anyway, movie. Well, so any more news about the Gremlins three movie? We'll definitely tell you about it. Even if it's even going to become Gremlins three, we don't yeah. we don't even know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, out of CGI back into CGI. Um, apparently, uh, according to uh, a rumor that's been going around, Cast three almost showed the death of Paul Newman's uh, character Doc Hudson. Yeah, they they were gonna essentially do that for like the third movie. It's like. Oh, you know, this is why we weren't able to see him in the third movie. And it was going to have like this really interesting backstory about like, you know, during the time in which when he was training alongside with lightning. And uh, unfortunately, you know, he, you know, they, they cut off the scene because they thought it was going to be, you know, too depressing. But here's the thing. Like, do you remember what we talked about? In, here's the thing. When Aaron and I first saw Cars 3 and Pixmix, that was our very first Cars movie. We had not seen Cars 1 and Cars 2 prior to this. So when we were watching that flashback where Lightning was sitting down and watching the, um, the, the projectile with all the flashbacks of him and Doc together, it's like we didn't know anything about Doc Hudson. So it's like... Um, you know, what what happened? It's like, uh, you know, we didn't even see him in the movies. And then, you know, there was supposed to be a scene in which, like, we saw him die. But they they decided, uh, no, that would be too scary for the kids. It's like, oh, really? The trailer? Did you remember that you put together the trailer and, you know, uh, Lightning McQueen was, like, on flames and he was flying up into the air, almost crashing, and the kids crying? You thought that that wasn't going to be too scary for them, Pixar? Come on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in regards to, like, us re, you know, doing this, I mean, uh, um, I don't know, like, it would have, um, it kind of reminds me, you know, in um, sitcoms and, like, in dramas, when uh, 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 an actor, like, decides to retire or, like, walk out of a series or something like that, and then basically they have to, like, you know, uh, convol you know convolute this series, like, this particular episode where they, uh, they have to write the character off, if you will, and so, like, I sort of remember, like, when they... Uh, I don't know what happened with uh, Greavy from Law and Order, but uh, they didn't like, sh like show him like in the original episode. But they like had like a silhouette of him like being shot, and it's kind of like uh, I don't know, like it kind of like would have ended up kind of like being like that, I guess. You know, like uh, with um, you know just uh, like uh, uh, you know Doc Hudson just uh, you know not having a, having a line or anything like that, and just uh, you know just kind of like dying on on screen or something like that. You know, and uh, I don't know, it just wouldn't seem natural. I don't think you know for it for it to happen. So, oh, I don't. I you know what. Aaron and I, when we first saw Cars 3, and, you know, looking back on all the other Cars series, um, we kind of felt that Cars 3 could have been so much better. Like, I think that that scene where we did see, like, Dog, you know, training lightning and then he dies, I mean, maybe that would have been a really strong moment in which maybe he can, like, turn down his ego and appreciate that, hey, you know, um, it's not always about you. It's not always about winning. Yeah, but it, that, that wasn't the focus of the movie, though. The focus of the movie was, like, you know, Lightning McQueen you know, be basically, you know, re realizing that he's not, like, uh, you know, he's not the, the supercar anymore and that he needs he to pass on to the next generation. <laughs> that maybe he would have a flashback of maybe like it was recent like you know maybe like you know he would go over to doc and they would be training together it's like hey let's train like old times and then he dies and then he like you know gets his humble pie and then he's thinking about like you know i really need to step it up and then he goes sees cruise and then they would have started training together and then maybe the ending if they would have twisted it around in which maybe he got like that try to do that one final shot and then he's like i can't do this anymore i'm gonna send you cruise because you know i can't do this anymore and all that kind of stuff i, I think that would have been so much better yeah i mean like uh, they should have you know cars three should have been like creed i think you know if uh, they were really aiming to try and do something but uh, i mean it's just so weird how like and he ended up like taking like the trainer from like the you know the new uh, facility and that she ended up by kind of like being the hero at the end of the day it was just it was just so bizarre 
It was yeah. it was a cop out. All throughout this entire movie, we've been seeing Lightning doing everything that he can so that he can be able to get himself back on top. And then at the last, he's like, "Well, Cruz, you're gonna have to finish this." It's like, why? Yeah. Can't you just keep going? It's like I can understand if he was injured or if he was tired, but no, he just did it because. It would it would have been interesting if it was more like, oh hey, you know, there's this uh, there's this uh, you know um, brush just car racer who like you know he's now starting to win things now but they you know his uh his 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 attitude is holding him back and then like you know lightning mcqueen steps in and says look you can become the greatest racer of all time but you know i i've got i've got to basically you know bring you back down and you know get your head screwed on and he, he ends up uh, you know training in the same way that doc hudson trained him you know in a way and like you know so one yeah, generation goes up to the next and then five. yeah exactly and so like uh, that would have been a far better cars sequel than basically what we got you know yeah, I'm, I'm, so I'm sorry that we, I'm sorry we're going over Pix Mix again. There's a whole episode dedicated to this already. I know. But, I'm, I'm uh, just yeah. still so disappointed at how it ended. And you know they're not going to do any more Cars movies. That's the thing. Oh, That's good. it. It's over. <laughs> I mean, like after Cars two, don't you think we had enough? Of yeah. course we did. But here's the thing. It's like, I mean, uh, we can't, here's the thing. Like we've gotten a lot of hate from people saying, you know, how dare you hate the Cars series? But I mean. You know, we we felt it could have been done so much better. I mean, I I don't know about two because two sucked, but you know, just Cars One and Cars Three could have been so much better if they just did a massive rewrite on a lot of things. Yeah, here's what I would have done. Like uh, Car Cars Three, I would have tolerated, and like uh, you know, they should you know scrap Cars Two, and they should just gone. You know, Cars Three probably should have been Cars Two, and they should have just done a story where you know Lightning McQueen hands over to the next generation. There you go. I mean, that's. Yeah, so yeah. you know, well, you know, I, like uh, you know, what Disney, you know, like toys need to be sold. So obviously, that's what kept cars alive for that time. So you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't have anything else to say. Let's just move <laughs> on. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay, um, so um, there is an article suggesting that Carl uh, Russell's last role could be Santa Claus, and uh, because he's yeah. uh, planning to go back into the director's chair after this, after this uh, appearance. Yeah, I mean, Kurt Russell is in his 70s, and, you know, he's been doing a lot of action movies, he does a lot of comedies, and, you know, he's getting to the point in which, like, you know, he's starting to think about retiring, so... Uh, I think I remember reading an article not too long ago uh, regarding about that statement where he was saying, like, you know, doing Santa Claus in the Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2 have been his all-time favorite projects. Think about it. More so than when he was doing, uh, um, you know, movies such as Overboard or um, The Escape from New York or uh, Tango and Cash. You know, apparently out of all the movies that he or even uh, The Thing. You know, all the movies that he's done, he says that this role has been his all-time favorite. Well, you know, when you really think about it, like, you know, Santa Claus is a really nice character to play. So, like, uh, I wouldn't, you know, really blame him to say that. So, you know, it's like one of his favorite roles. I mean, like, he's a he's a, he's a character who basically brings Christmas presents to kids and uh, is adored by, million, you know, billions of people. So, yeah, like... I, I actually saw the Christmas Chronicles not too long ago. Uh, my family came over for Thanksgiving and we were just like sitting down and watching some various uh, Christmas specials. And one of the ones that has been in the top 10 for a long time on Netflix has been the Christmas Chronicles one and two, especially since two just came out not too long ago. And uh, I saw it and Crystal does a really good job as Santa. He's so fun and He's so uh, heartfelt and it's, you know, his performance that he did with the sing-along was a lot of 
fun with um, him singing like a rock version of a Christmas song and his introduction to Santa. And essentially the story is about these two kids. Uh, one is a troublemaking teenager and one is a girl who still believes in Santa Claus. And, you know, their father died. And so they're trying to do Christmas without him and not that kind of stuff. And she ends up at the North Pole. And uh, he ends up with... Um, you know, a gang taking him and they took the um, Santa's bag and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it, it's actually, you know, it's actually a pretty decent movie. Uh, I haven't, um, you know, seen, um, you know, reviews of it. So I don't know how people feel about it, but I, I thought it was good. And I haven't seen the second one yet. And I know that has a uh, Goldie Hawn as Mrs. Claus, which makes a lot of sense because that's his wife in real life. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see the other one. But no, I mean, the fact that he's thinking about retiring, he says, you know what, I think that it's time for me to just like, you know, drop the acting run, go back into producing and directing. You know what? Good for him. You, you know, know what? Good like, and good on him as well. Like, uh, you know, he's he's had a glittered career. I mean, like, uh, I didn't realize this. He's actually he was uh, the voice of Copper in The Fox and the Hound. That's right. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff for Disney uh, when he was like a when he was a teenager. Yeah, he was the adult voice of Copper in The Fox and the Hound. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of um, Disney live action movies, even when, you know, Disney was still alive. And I think there was even like a, a conspiracy video thing I think I saw a while ago about like, you know, uh, one of the last things that he wrote right before he died was um, Kurt Russell's name. And that's because he was writing actors for a movie um that for disney that i think was supposed to come out but i think was delayed or maybe it didn't come out i'm not sure but yeah i mean kurt russell has been you know under the you know like one of the first things in his career was working for disney movie mm -hmm. so yeah but uh, i mean not a bad character to leave off on santa claus you know so it's, yeah uh... i mean if this is going to be the last thing that he's going to be doing then you know what i mean you know santa claus is a good way to end things off it's kind of like how um you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, one of the last things that he wanted to leave off uh, right before he officially retired was playing as Abraham Lincoln. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I was say, unless you go, unless you build Goldberg, who played Santa in Santa's sleigh, you know, so, um, you know, it's a uh, mm -hmm. terrible, terrible horror movie. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you go into that pedigree of like, you know, well-known famous portrayals of Santa Claus. Mickey Rooney, who, you know, going back into the whole Fox and the Hound thing, you know, he played as Santa Claus in the um, in the Rankin-Bass specials. We saw, um, um, you saw um, The Year Without a Santa Claus for the first time last year when I did my Rankin-Bass specials. Yeah. Tell you what, just, just for a bit of fun, um, I've actually brought up a, uh, you know, we don't do top 10s all that much anymore. So uh, I thought maybe we'd probably do uh, a top 10 of like, uh, you know, the worst uh, worst Christmas movies of all time. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> and for any, anybody complaining, just let me, if uh, you know, a lot of people now around where I am are starting to put their Christmas trees up. So we are sort of going ma making our way up to Christmas at this point. So we might as well yeah, just talk about true. it. So, okay. Uh... So anyway, um, uh, according to Goliath, uh, number ten, the worst, uh, the the number ten in the worst Christmas movies of all time is the Star Wars Holiday Special, <laughs> which Aaron and I did watch together, and we were both really bored and really confused with it. Yeah, you know what? We might do a uh, a, a replay of that of that uh, on Twitch at some point, and uh, we'll probably like uh, invite everybody to watch it. So. Okay. Um, the, and here's the thing: they're doing another one on Disney Plus. We're in Lego as well. Wait, oh so, my god! Yeah, <laughs> it's like we didn't learn our lesson the first time. Mm -hmm. Oh well, you know, uh, maybe, you know, we need to give um, we need to give um, a, we need the Lego version of uh, you know the uh, the small little uh, you know uh, you know Wookie kid you know to uh, sell toys off. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Well, we 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 need to get some more Lego versions of the um, of the Tie Fighters and the Millennium Falcon again. 
Uh, yeah, that's the spirit. Patricia will be safe celebrating Lego Life Day before you know it. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Okay. Uh, Happy Life Day. Anyway, number nine is uh, A Christmas Carol starring Jim Carrey. Ooh, really? Yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think so either. I mean, keep in mind, everybody, we look at very terrible top tens. So, like, uh, I think... That is yeah. very true. We have. And here's the thing. Like, there are so many bad versions of A Christmas Carol. I've seen worse, uh, such as the animated versions. Like, there was an animated version that came out of the 90s, which had, like, um, Tim Curry as Scrooge. Now, think about it. Tim Curry as Scrooge would have been perfect. But the story was just so meh that I don't yeah. really... Well, we didn't. We didn't well, we didn't get Tim Curry, unfortunately. We got Jim Carrey, which uh, you know, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's another one that's really bad that my friend Rowdy, uh, not my Rowdy, uh, uh, Nordy, Nordy covered this one last year for Christmas, where he talked about one that came out in the early 2000s, which is called Christmas Carol the Movie, and it had Simon Cowell as as Scrooge and okay. Kate. Winslet well, before we Bell. talk about that, he might appear in the he might appear in the top ten. So, like, uh, let's uh, if we get to that point, we'll oh, definitely okay, talk great. about it. Okay. Yeah, let's let's keep making and our way down the list. By the way, yeah, um, the reason why the reason why Jim the reason why Jim Carrey's um, uh, Christmas Carol has been put on this list is because it, it no, keep this in mind. It received four Golden Raspberry Awards. So. Oh, it, I, I mean, here's the thing. At the time, I can see why a lot of people didn't like it because. Um, Motion capture, especially with Robert Zemeckis's uh, company, which was doing a lot of stuff like Polar Express and uh, Monster House and um, unless we forget Mars Needs Moms. Uh, a lot of people just didn't really understand why motion capture was like, you know, a big thing in cinema. And, you know, a lot of people said that the this version of The Christmas Carol was too dark. They thought that, you know, the, the plot went all over the place by trying to take advantage of the 3D effects. So... Sure, but it's not the worst Christmas Carol adaptation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, number eight is Saving Christmas. Oh, with, God. With Kirk Cameron as himself. Yes, I know what you're talking about. My, uh, Nordy covered this one as well a few years ago on his YouTube channel. Oh, wow. This is like, well, from what I've seen in his review, it is like the worst So Bad It's Good movie I've ever seen. Like, it's just all over the place with its trying to be like you know, saving Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And then it ends with like a song and dance number. It's like, wow, it's, it's so bad. Yeah. You know, something. I was just looking at this top 10. Uh, it, ke it keeps saying uh, like in two places, like uh, despite the film receiving 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, like that was for a Christmas Carol, but it didn't. It's uh, actually received 52% on Rotten Tomatoes. But if you look at the saving Christmas one, it also says uh, it receives a rating of 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, but that's not true either. So it makes me think that whoever wrote this list up, put in maybe like a little bit of code to like uh, read whatever the, um, the rating is on the, the Christmas, on, on the Rotten Tomatoes website, and I don't think it's working properly because all of them say like zero percent. You're looking at an older version of Rotten Tomatoes because remember, Aaron, when we were doing stuff for In Search of the Crystal Skull, and we found like a list of like sixty to seventy percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and then we looked at the the newer um, um, numbers on the website, and it completely changed over time. Yeah, there's a reason why we couldn't do uh, Rat Race versus It's a Mad 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 World because uh, Rat Race kind of like fell out of the out of the criteria. 
because it was exactly. only like forty two percent of Rotten Tomatoes. But anyway, moving away from that. So um, the uh, so I never seen Saving Christmas. So the uh, the the idea is is an absurd film with starring Kurt Cameron who goes on a rant about atheist materialism and Christian fundamentalism have ruined the spirit of Christmas. While all, all while sitting beside a fireplace and then seeing where Cameron's sister's uh, Christmas party and for whatever reason Cameron believes the party is in danger from his uh, brother-in-law Christian, uh, which is uh, leading him to quote unquote Saving Christmas. So yeah, it, it yep. sounds like a clusterfuck. Doing a lot of Christian movies over the past 10, 15 years, ever since you know he stopped doing his television run on Growing Pain. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, number seven is uh, Four Christmases, starring Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon. I have never seen this movie, so I cannot say my opinion on it. No, I can't either. So uh, this movie is. Uh... Four Christmases might just be one of the worst Christmas-themed romantic comedies ever made. A shameful holiday movie tells the story of Brad uh, and Kate, uh, in upscale, uh, an upscale couple who attempt to avoid their families during the Christmas holidays uh, by going to a vacation in Fiji. After the couple's exotic getaway is ruined by a fog storm, Brad and Kate must find a way to uh, make it through four separate family Christmases in one day. So, um, this is like the same... Um, what should we call This is the same premise as like uh, another Christmas movie that we saw. Oh, yeah, it is. Isn't it? Yeah, like, uh, I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up. I don't know which one it was. Okay, so number six is the 1985 Santa Claus the Movie. I've never seen that one. Okay, this film was produced by Alexander and uh, Isla Selkand, uh, who were behind the, also behind the, uh, the 1978 Superman movie. Uh, so, uh, Santa Claus the Movie stars Dudley Moore as an elf named Patch who has uh, been with Santa Claus for centuries but uh, decides to set out to make his toys on his own only to be exploited by a crook company, a toy company run by an u- u- uber capitalist played by actor John Glithrow. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's the uh, that's the premise <laughs> of that one. Okay. okay. Uh, number five in the list is the Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. Oh. Probably the worst Tim Allen Santa Claus movie. So uh, I'll just uh, give you on the uh, the frame of this. The sequel wasn't uh, quite as uh, good, but uh, was an acceptable film about Santa trying to find Mrs. Claus and also an absentee father for also to be an absentee father from his son. But the third one is a blatant attempt to milk anything um, out of the money out of the franchise, uh, featuring a painfully uninteresting plot and a lame villain in Martin Short as the bitter Jack Frost, who steals the job of Santa Claus and turns uh, the North Pole into a year-round theme park. Uh, the film is unfunny and emotionally bereft, and uh, therefore most certainly a, a reason to why the franchise died after it came out, like immediately afterwards. So, I mean, like the the first uh, Santa Claus movie actually was um, I was actually tolerable. I mean, the second one I can't really remember, but uh, yeah, I remember the third one being pretty terrible, from uh, from what I can gather. Yeah, it is pretty intolerable because Martin Short's portrayal as Jack Frost is just way too out there. It's like way too over the top, way too goofy. And then he tries to be really evil by doing like a fake robotic Santa. And it just goes way over proportion. And then they try to introduce like the other um, mythical characters. They introduce like Mother Nature and the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy and all that kind of stuff. And it's like way too much. Just too much. Yeah, I'm just looking at a screenshot of like uh, the of uh, Martin Short as Jack Frost, and uh, he kind of looks like Two Face, who isn't finished yet. You know, he, like, he kind of looks like a he looks like a cheap version of the Snow Miser from the Year Without a Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, number four is Surviving Christmas, 2004. Um, wait, wait, again? Surviving Christmas. 
Oh, okay. So saving Christmas and surviving Christmas. Okay, so never so, seen it. So okay, so this terrible Christmas movie has the low point of an actor Ben Affleck uh, mid two thousand slump. Um, in a film, Affleck plays a wealthy executive who has no close relationship and becomes uh, nostalgic for his childhood home at Christmas. When he visits the house and finds another family living there, he offers the residents, uh, played by James Scalafini and uh, Catherine O'Hara, a lot of money to pretend they are his parents during the holidays. The couple's daughter, Christina Applegate, comes home to Christmas to adding to the awkward and the tense situation. This movie is two hours of Tony Soprano trying to not to, trying not to kill Batman. Uh, it's lame, mean-spirited, and, f- and not funny in the slightest. Surviving Christmas currently holds a 7% positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, that sounds really weird. Imagine, Aaron, if um, the people who were formerly living at the house that you're living at right now were nostalgic about their home, and they're like, hey, can we spend Christmas with you? How would you feel about that? You know, I'm just shocked to the point that this movie exists, uh, you know, uh, with Ben Affleck in it, and he went on to be Batman eventually. Well, I mean, it was his, he was going through a major slump at that point. You know, he was doing Daredevil, and that didn't exactly pan out very well. And he was doing a whole bunch of other movies that didn't really set anybody's world on fire. So, yeah, uh, the 2000s were not a good time for Ben Affleck. Totally not. Okay, uh, number three in this list is uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, God. I was surprised that it's not number one because that movie is so bad. Jamie Lee Curtis and Tim Allen, they don't want to celebrate Christmas. They want to go away for the holidays, and then their daughter's like, hey, I'm going home for Christmas. I can't wait to do all those traditional things, and then they have to rush everything. Oh, it's so bad. It is. Okay, um, number two in this list is Deck the Halls 2006. Never seen the movie. Okay, so um, whoever brought uh, Matthew Broderick and Danny DeVito in a Christmas movie together was a good idea. Should be fired. <laughs> it starts off like this. Uh, like a lot of titles in this list, uh, the 2006 Deck the Halls uh, takes a simple premise and explicably tries to stretch it out to a full length of a movie. In this case, it's how rival neighbors try to outdo each other on their Christmas lights and decorations. Uh, in Deck the Halls, Broderick and DeVito both play unlikable people and neighbors who uh, each uh, feel like uh, they quote-unquote own Christmas in their neighborhood and try to show the other up with an elaborate display of festive lighting with a tagline there's there that glows the neighbor there glows the neighborhood oh for god's sakes uh, this uh, awful and funny christmas an unfunny christmas movie uh, is a letdown from start to finish there was also didn't need to be a movie made about this topic every single street has a house has a completely overdose on for it for the holidays in terms of decorations that's enough you don't need to watch this of a movie for t- about uh, going two hours about it so. Okay. Okay. And number one in our list is uh, is the 2008 American American Carol. Uh, yes, I, I've heard about this movie. I have not seen it, but yeah, um, apparently, like, we need to do an American take on A Christmas Carol, and this is what we get from it. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a lot of uh, other movies out there that uh, could be on this list, but uh, for our money, the most uh, ingratious and uh, unforgivable Christmas movie has to be the 2008 An American Carol. On paper, this film looks like it, is, it could be uh, it could have been pretty decent. It was written and directed by David Zucker, who is the comedy genius behind Aeroplane and the Naked Gun. It stars uh, Kelsey Grammer, Lelsie ne- Leslie Nielsen, uh, John Vogt, 
and Dennis Hopper, yet the movie is uh, feels like a total train wreck. It's presented uh, from a politically conservative perspective. Uh, the film is a parody of liberal filmmaker Michael Moore that lampoons contemporary American culture, particularly Hollywood. Uh, actor Kevin Farley, uh, brother of the late great uh, Chris Farley, plays a Michael Moore-like character who is uh, visited by three ghosts, uh, similar to Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol. Uh, it barely is a Christmas movie at all, other than blatantly copying most of the iconic Christmas stories, uh, copying the most iconic Christmas story of all time. We're not sure what uh, Zucker was uh, trying to get across with this movie, but uh, just uh, it just doesn't work. Oh yeah, and Gary Coleman makes an appearance in this film as well. Of course he does. I mean, you know, sadly for Gary Coleman, it's like he needs to do anything to get a paycheck. Mm, well, uh, it's too bad he didn't end up doing Avenue Q at some point. Like, uh, that, that. Yeah, that would have been really, that would have been so hilarious if he would have shown at least one, um, you know, Broadway or even off-Broadway appearance in Avenue Q playing as himself. That would have mm. been hilarious. Well, if you remember back in our casual chats, he did actually like watch one performance from what I understand. Yeah, he did watch one performance, but, you know, just... Oh, well, but still, I mean, just uh, I've been hearing a lot about this movie. I haven't seen it, but I heard that it's not very good. But as the worst Christmas movie, really? Mm -hmm. OK, so um, those I was hoping to actually get movies like Santa Claus in it. But surprisingly enough, we've actually gone through Christmas movies that actually don't have Santa in it. So, uh, yeah, like there's no Santa Claus Conquers the Martians or Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny or, you know, Bad Santa 2 or anything like that. They're or, probably, yeah, there might be a list with those in them, I think, at some point. Yeah, but probably so, there yeah. is, but, you I, know. I, I guess Santa Claus Conquers the Martians uh, saving grace is probably because it was an episode of uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, maybe. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, like, it's kind of like how, hey, um, you know, this movie has a cult following. Why? Because it was featured in one episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. So it's a, it's forgivable. So, mm. sure. <laughs> a Patrick Swayze Christmas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that, that song was hilarious. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. We've come to the most depressing part of the episode. Uh, we have to talk about the Boss Baby trailer. So. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm rather confused about what we're going to be in with. So, the idea is is that uh, the boss baby now is all grown up and he's basically got this like a uh, uh, massive empire and uh, now he's uh, you know, he goes back to his older brother who is not doing as well as he is, but uh, then they have this conflict about uh, you know, oh hey, it's not all about famous success and things like that and being you know the bottom line and stuff like that. And uh, then they are greeted by another, I guess, boss baby who is a girl now. And uh, well, uh, here's the thing: it's like um, it, I think we remember in the ending, Aaron, about like you know there were hints about like okay, the you know the brother was going to be talking about like you know what his, what his life was like when he found out he was going to have a little brother. And then we saw about like the adventures of the boss baby and like this whole secret agent kind of thing and it was weird and then it left it on a cliffhanger saying like you know and then what happened next daddy and then it's like um did you ever you know connect with um your uncle tim and then then we have like this um cliffhanger where you know the the boss baby was at the door and we didn't get to see what he looked like because you know it left it on such a cliffhanger because everybody wanted to know about what happened next so uh then i guess this is a continuation of that cliffhanger that happened you know after the movie in which like you know they're gonna have the visit and then um you know, we're going to have, like, uh, the baby talking. It's like, you know, I need you, and we're going to turn you back into a baby again. It's like, really? We're going to have this crap again? Yeah, I saw that as well. Like, it's really strange because it's like uh, the kid this time keeps his adult voice, whoever that person is. And it's just, it's, just, it's uh, I don't know. I just feel like I'm going to be weirded out from this movie. 
Hour, hour yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. It's like Alec Baldwin is back as, you know, the boss baby, both in the adult form and in the baby form. So, I mean, even we thought that was kind of weird. I mean, but, but uh, why even... Why do they have to... I mean, they say, oh, we've discovered this way of, like, turning uh, adults back into children. And it's like, well, why would you need to do that? Like... I don't know. Like, I guess maybe, you know, it's, here's the thing. It's like maybe the baby was hearing the story about, you know, her uncle is like, oh, you know, he was a cool secret agent. Now I'm part of the secret agents. Like, I need you to come back into being a baby again because you did all these cool things with the, you know, with all the adventures. And I want you to, you know, help me with this. And it's like, I, and, you know, but you're a grown up now. So, you know, you won't be able to help me with this anymore. So now I need you to turn back into a baby and help me with this. It's like, Okay, so apparently we have that in this universe, so we can turn adults into babies again? D don't you get the feeling they're just going to rehash the old jokes from the first movie? Yep. Like, you know... And, like, and, yeah. and, and here's the thing, it's like, you know, once again, we haven't read the original source material of the book, and so we don't know if this happens, but still it's like, you know... I highly doubt it, it either. Any of the crazy shit we saw in that trailer, I highly doubt happened. Yeah, I, I, I doubt it too, but still it's just... This it's it, it was such a weird experience just watching this movie. You know, a lot of people were saying about like, oh, Tom and Jerry was like a fever dream, but no, this is even worse of a fever dream. This is like if you just woke up uh, after a massive hangover and you were just experiencing beer goggles, saying, "Oh, this is pretty fun," and then you finally sobered up and it's like, "Oh wow, this is what turned out." Like this looks really weird. So the idea is, is that um, there's apparently someone who's making babies bad, and apparently that's, uh, but you know, just so they're having like tantrums and things like that. Like uh, um, apparently that's the next threat that uh, you know to baby kind. I think at this point, which is yeah. Uh, yeah, so the reason why we have temper tantrums on babies, that's why the reason why we have the terrible twos is because some guy is doing a device and turning babies evil. That's that's the reason why. Mm -hmm. So, sure. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I mean, do we highly doubt we're ever going to get into, like, you know, an in-depth, you know, psychology about uh, why uh, a baby would cry out or anything like that? And um, I highly doubt we're going to see any of that, I don't think. Aaron, if we wanted to see a good, wholesome movie that goes into the psychological depths on why a person feels the way they do, watch Pixar's Inside Out. Don't watch Boss Baby. Exactly. Yeah. It's just and and this, is what this is what really troubles me about DreamWorks is that... Um, you know, I, I mean, Crude's A New Age is like, oh, it's a sequel to a movie that thought that was just okay. Boss Baby was a sequel to a movie a lot of people said was awful. So it's, and Trolls World Tour was a movie that a lot of people thought was just meh. So it's like, why are DreamWorks doing sequels to mediocre movies when they can be doing sequels to good movies? Like, you know, I know that they're already done with their good properties. Kung Fu Panda's done. Shrek is done. How to Train Your Dragon is done. So it's like, is this what the, the thing is? Is that we're just going to have sequels to the other movies that didn't exactly light anybody's world on fire? Yeah. Because like, they ran uh, out of everything else? Well, now, I mean, they really need to do... I mean, Pixar are doing original stuff right now, so I'm just wondering uh, if these sequels flop. I wonder if uh, DreamWorks will take a look at Pixar again and say, oh, hey, let's just uh, let's just do original movies again. Let's just see what flies. Exactly. You know? That's uh, that's what DreamWorks hasn't been doing for a while now. I mean, they tried Abominable, but then that just like came and went pretty quickly. So it's like now they just have to rely on their sequels. Well, let's see. I mean, like, I mean, didn't Abominable do pretty well in the Chinese market? From what I sure, got, yeah, yeah, the Chinese market, but in America, it didn't exactly light anybody's Well, I mean, uh, given the fact that uh, you know the Chinese market starting to kind of grow on these companies, I can't really imagine they probably might be the driving force behind you know another sequel or not. You know, regardless of what happens around the rest of the world. 
Yeah, you know? and the fact that we gotten a lot of movies about abominable creatures or yetis back to back to back. We had Smallfoot, we had um, we had uh, this movie, and then we had um, the Leica film, which uh, uh, was a major flop and pretty much like killed any chance of many more abominable movies. So it's like. Yeah, I mean, pick, pick, DreamWorks is definitely going to have to like go back into the drawing board and see, like, hey, you know, they need to change direction. Otherwise, they're going to be left in the dust. Yeah. Because Disney's... Do, the, do you know what would know be a fun movie that no like uh, no one else has done so far? Where do you know, like, uh, you know, Disney have yet to like do... I mean, obviously, they've like done like this thing with like the Avengers, which obviously, you know, played out in the comic book series anyway. But, you know, Disney's yet to do like a movie where they take all their best characters and stick them all in one film for like this epic battle. You know, like uh, like the Dis- a Disney princess movie probably would have been pretty fun to watch, and uh, you know maybe Pixar could have like done something maybe where all their heroes get together and do something in regards to that. But uh, you know, uh, if you have uh, DreamWorks where you have like all these um, you know movie characters who would probably be v- very fun to watch and bounce off one another, I mean, like uh, you could do something like that maybe with DreamWorks. You know, like yeah. Uh, here's the thing: it's like. Um, Pixar, I can see them doing that. Disney, I can kind of see them doing that. DreamWorks, on the other hand, is going to be very hard because they don't exactly have an established universe. They have at least four or five different universes they can work around with. I mean, I cannot see, you know, something like um, Shrek interacting with Kung Fu Panda. I cannot see B-Movie interacting with Wallace and Gromit. It's be hard for them to do a cinematic universe well i don't know like i mean i mean obviously there'd be so few exceptions i mean Wallace and gromit i don't think they could do because obviously they're with someone else now you know but uh, i mean in regards to like other properties i mean i mean i disagree with you i, I just like to see what happened if uh, shrek met poe you know like uh, what, what, what would be the interaction between between the two of them would be you know, if, like if it's it. pulled off well sure but if it's not then i don't really want to see that happen yeah. i mean i mean keep in mind like uh, i mean uh, i guess the story could be that uh, poe is uh, you know like he can like go into like other realms now obviously he's like he's like this master who can like do that like uh, maybe something crazy happens and like all the worlds get pulled together and uh, then it's up to like you know poe shrek and uh, various other people to like you know uh, but, but you know rearrange the dimensions to put everything right again you know, like, and like, there's all sorts of villains that are, like, you know, trying to stop them from doing it. You know? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, if we want to mix up the villains from Kung Fu Panda and Shrek, maybe we can throw in a little bit well, of Well, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say put in the same villains. I, w- I put in, like, maybe put in, like, a, a major different villain who is, like, a really powerful, like, you know, uh, like, he's more powerful than, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lord Farquaad. He's more powerful than, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Shin, you know, Shin, and uh, very, so, you know, po- more powerful than all the other uh, bad guys that have come before, you know, like, uh, he is, like, uh, the, the ultimate villain, you know, and... Uh, uh, I, I think they could do that. And so yeah, you could have all the uh, characters from Monsters vs. Aliens as well. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you have Monsters vs. Aliens, Rise of the Guardians, maybe even C- Captain Underpants if you want to throw that in oh, there. Captain, uh, Captain Underpants will be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah. But you know, like, uh, I just think they could, uh, they could do it, and uh, it'd be something unique that uh, no other company has done yet. You know, like, it could be terrible. I mean, I'm not saying that it could be necessarily a good thing, but it'd be something unique. You know. Yeah, I mean, of course, if the you know if the if the original creators and all the major people who were behind these movies were to be doing that, because remember a few years ago in which like the guy behind um, Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre was going to be involved in the Nickelodeon Cinematic Universe movie, where they were going to only include a few characters from the '90s and none of the other creators or showrunners were going to be a part of this, and they thought it was a terrible idea. Nickelodeon canceled it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. So. Uh... 
Uh, but uh, you know, hey, these everything we just talked about right now are way better ideas than the say than a boss baby sequel. You know, that's how much yeah, we're not looking true. for. That's that's how much we're not looking forward to this. No, we're not, and we're not exactly looking forward to the Crude's new age either. But because it's Dream Machine, we well, have to. I, watch I, I, would, I would pick a Crude sequel over a Boss Baby sequel if I was I given mean, sure, the choice. I would too, but it's like, what would you rather choose? Would you rather choose a mediocre movie, or would you rather choose a dumpster fire? At least I would remember the dumpster fire, but I will not remember the mediocre movie. So it's like, I don't know. Well, it's hard I, to I say. feel like the mediocre movie was uh, less scar me for life than the, than the dumpster fire. At least That's I wouldn't true. get. Uh, at least I wouldn't get burned by the dumpster fire. You know. Isn't that sad that we would say, "Oh, I'd rather waste my time with watching a movie that was just forgettable," as opposed to "I'd rather waste my time watching a movie that was just absolutely awful and want to scourge my eyes out." Yeah, like, like I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, there's movies out there that are so bad that they're good. You know, like uh, those movies exist and uh, they are fun to watch, you know, just because you can't take them seriously and they're just, you know, they're, they're things you can giggle at. But, you know, when you have something like The Boss Baby, when you have something like, uh, you know, something that just, you know, um, you know, even Monsters University, I mean, like uh, that was just, um, you know, there was there was a lot of, you know, that, that movie wasn't was was a bad sequel. Or sorry, a bad prequel, I guess you could say, because there were so many continuity errors. But it's so bad that it's kind of like uh, it's not. You know, you wish it kind of like wasn't there, but you know, you have movies out there that uh, you know are so you know hilariously bad that uh, you actually don't mind them. I mean, like uh, you know, some of the classic ones, obviously, are Santa Claus versus the Martians, and you know, Plan Nine from Plan Nine from Outer Space. You know, like a movie that you can just you know giggle along with with your friends who are also like you know cult movie buffs. But uh, I mean, like there's stuff out there that exists for hilarity, but then there's other stuff out there which is just so painful that it's just like no, you know, just it's uh, I really wish this thing wasn't a thing, really. You know? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just really concerned about DreamWorks' estate right now. Just, you know, just they they really need to step up because Disney is going to be having Ryan the Last Dragon, Pixar is going to be having Luca, and DreamWorks is going to have the Boss Baby sequel. It's like, come on, yeah, and step that, it up, DreamWorks. And their parent company at the moment, Illumination Studios, is currently doing the Super Mario movie. Yeah, no. and um, I'm still conflicted about that, but you know what? I mean, it's like. You know, let's see what they do. I'm but I don't know. Like, who, who, I mean, if it came to the Super Mario movie, I mean, like, uh, who would you choose? Which pair of hands would you trust it more in? Like, Illumination Studios or DreamWorks at this point? Well, I mean, DreamWorks. I mean, it's hard because DreamWorks can either be really amazing or really bad. The Illumination is just consistently meh, but at the same time, they just tend to make millions of dollars. Yeah. So it's like... And they I take mean, shortcuts I, as well. Like, uh, you know, if you look at Sing, like uh, the amount of like repeat characters you see that, uh, you know, in the movie, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's so uninspired. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, movies like that would be immediately dated afterwards. It's like... You know, and all these movies from Illumination hasn't really exactly gotten me officially invested in saying, yeah, I would, like, treat them as a legit animation company. Yeah. I mean, even with their biggest hits, like um, the Despicable Me franchise, I just think it's okay. I don't think of them as just, like, incredibly mind-blowing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, with DreamWorks, I mean, sure, they could either be really awful with their stuff, but they can also crank out amazing stuff. Do they also do Hotels on Transylvania as well? No, that's Sony. That's Sony. Okay, that's fine. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, yeah, but uh, in regards to, like, where DreamWorks is going right now, it is a very terrible place where it's going, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's at the point where it's kind of like, you know, um, where how far along do we continue with Dream Machine? I mean, like, if it starts becoming intolerable, do we, do we, I mean, do we still keep doing it? Or, I mean, like, it's just... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. But, yeah, Boss Baby is going to be coming out uh, next year, and we'll definitely be talking about it. Whoop-de-doo. Ah, shit. Here we go again. But, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, Pokemon is going to be teasing us with a quote-unquote very special 25th anniversary celebration in 2021. Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, oh, what are we going to get this time? Four remakes to your um, sh to your stuff and then some update for Pokemon Go. So, yeah, I mean, Pokemon has been got, getting a bit of a flack lately, you know, with the stuff from, oh, not including the national jack uh, decks in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And then all the updates from Pokemon Go, which kind of like um, lost all the promise for what Pokemon Go was originally supposed to be and then all that kind of stuff. So, you know, people are saying that Pokemon is becoming more and more of a relic of the past and really needs to step up in order for it to become more viable for today's audience. You know what? I came across a bit of news on Twitter recently, and uh, I can't help thinking that Nintendo would probably put this like, as a major announcement. Um, so uh, imagine this. You know, they say, oh, hey, we've got this really amazing 25th anniversary announcement. Do you know what it is, Patricia? What is it? Yuri Geller's allowing us to put Kadabra back in the pack. Oh, my God. After that 20 years. Here's a th after 20 years of Yuri Geller saying, I don't want this character who is portraying as me in a monster card, ban it. And now he's saying, do it. I mean, here's the thing. They have not featured Kadabra in a lot of the episodes of the Pokemon anime ever since, um, you know, Ruby and Sapphire, which was 16 years ago. They haven't included him in the Pokemon cards since 2006. And he hasn't been included in a lot of the Pokemon games since I think it was like the Pokemon Ranger game or the something like that. And again, that's like around the mid 2000s because they don't want to be sued by Yuri Geller. So and now what, why, wait, what, what was the what was the original deal about this? Was it because he was holding a spoon? Yes, because Yuri Geller is very well known for his spoon bending techniques. For those who don't know, Yuri Geller is a magician, and he's also very known for bending spoons with his mind. And so Kadabra is seen as holding a spoon. And the Japanese name of Kadabra is Yungere, which is Yuri Geller if you swoop around the kanji. And so when Yuri Geller was in Japan uh, during a show in 1998, he saw the card and he and he sued Nintendo saying, "I will not you did not get my permission to do this. I'm going to sue you. Please remove it." And so Nintendo obliged and that's what they've been doing for the past 20 years. And now all of a sudden he's saying, do it? Where did this come from? I, I have no idea, but uh, I mean, in regards to uh, this, it's like, uh, you know, um, could he also, on the same thing, sue the creators of the tick because uh, the tick says spoon is like his uh, catchphrase? Uh, uh, it kind of reminds me of that guy, that guy who did like the Edge magazine, and he would sue every time somebody did, um, uh, you know, a magazine or a video game or a movie that had the word Edge in it because he thought that he had the copyright claim for the word Edge. No, it's like it's like when the well, the fucking uh, uh, you know those uh, brothers who do like all the reaction, and they like they tried to copyright the word React, and like oh they they got so yeah. much shit for that. I remember them, yeah, the Fine Brothers. Fine Brothers, yeah, not so fine in this regard. But, uh, uh, oh my goodness, it's like, uh, yeah, lawsuits are just ridiculous. Some lawsuits are just absolutely ridiculous. 
And you have to understand that, um, you know, Japan is very loose when it comes to like caricatures of celebrities compared to if you were to do it in America. That's why in One Piece, if you see a lot of the characters and villains, they're all caricatures of famous celebrities. Everybody from Michael Jackson to um, um, Sylvester Stallone and all these people. And they and, you know, um, Oda has never been sued by any of the celebrities. Um, even with South Park, every time that they did like a caricature of like a celebrity or something like that, I mean, they would get pissed, pissed off and they would be suing, but you know, it never went like so far into saying like, you will never do this again. I'm going to like sue the entire company itself. If you do this again, I, you know, you're, you're going to pay for it. It's like, I mean, Yuri Geller stuff is just blown way out of proportion. If anything, you should be thankful that he has a card after him. That way, you know, kids for, you know, multiple generations would actually know about his stuff and, you know, saying, oh, that's a reference to this. It's like kind of like Waba Fett, who is a caricature of a famous Japanese comedian from like the 70s or something. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that Yuri Geller was so pissed off about it and then he's became accepted about it about 20 years later. It's like, just give me a break, man. Mm hmm. So um, anyway, we've spoken a lot about uh, what what the what we don't think the uh, the Pokemon special announcement is going to be for the 25th anniversary show. But... I mean, let's let's recall about what they did for the 20th anniversary because I remember I, I did a podcast about this a few years ago with my friends and the stuff that they did for the Pokemon 20th anniversary. This is around the time in which X and Y came out and they revealed things like the Mega Evolutions. Uh, Pokemon Go was just becoming a new thing. Uh, they did the Pokemon. Um, you know, uh, mini series where they featured the retelling of Red and Green. Um, they did like a whole bunch of other things. I think they, they, they announced one of the movies or something. So there, people are thinking it's going to be the same thing all over again. It's like, oh, you're just going to be having like, uh, you know, a new game, maybe another movie, maybe some updates for Pokemon Go and that's it. I mean, people are kind of saying, you know, Pokemon, step it up. We want to see some new things coming around because... You know, some of the newer stuff on Pokemon hasn't exactly lit anybody's world on fire. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I mean, it's Pokemon's been around. I mean, they say, like, you know, that article always said, like, oh, Pokemon's making a comeback. And it's like, uh, we both kind of sat there, like, when did it go away? Exactly. You know? I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I can understand for, like, the mainstream audience... They um, think that Pokemon had just went away because it wasn't featured a lot on stores and it wasn't featured a lot on TV. And, you know, a lot of the toys weren't being sold and that kind of stuff. I get that. I mean, there was even a book that came out around 2006 when um, Pokemon Diamond and Pearl came out and the popularity of Pokemon really died off. There was a book called The Rise and Fall of Pokemon. And people really thought that Pokemon was just gone. But there is a huge dedicated audience to Pokemon. Have you seen the Twitch streams? Have you seen the the, the tournaments going on? Yeah, you Pokemon know what? Like, still... here's the thing. Like, I think Pokemon's like Star Wars at this point. Like, uh, yeah, it won't always be in the mainstream, but there'll always be a hardcore, you know, um, you know, bunch of supporters who will just keep it going. You know, like uh, you know, they'll uh, you 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 know, you'll always see them at Comic Con marching around in their Stormtrooper suits, and you'll always see them, you know, dressing up as other characters. And uh, same with Pokemon as well. Like uh, most of the cosplays that I see are of either Pokemon themselves or as the Pokemon trainers. You know, like yeah, it, it, exactly. it, it, but but Pokemon it may not be always in the consciousness. I think of the uh, of the mainstream, but uh, there will always be those hardcore fans who will just keep it alive regardless. Exactly. I mean, like when, uh, you know, before COVID happened, I was in a convention and there was a huge Pikachu parade going on. So, you know, it's still going. You just need to pay attention a little bit more. 
So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bottom line with the 25th anniversary, them teasing something, it's like, you know, if they were to tease something massive, like, I don't know, a Pokemon MMORPG, or um, we're going to be having like a Pokemon attraction in a theme park or, you know, something like that, then I would be interested. Imagine, uh, they, did, imagine they did a Pokemon game where it was like World of Warcraft. Like, you know, that, like, everybody's been saying that. It's like, why can't we get a World of Warcraft Pokemon edition? I mean, it would be so cool. Like, you know, the entire regions of Johto and Kanto and Sinnoh and Galar and Hoven and all those places would be open to the public. Any Pokemon you can capture, all the gyms would be available, Pokemon contests, you know, uh, safaris. All that stuff would be available. That would be that would Nintendo would be rolling in money, but they don't do PC games. So you know, I mean, I mean, it was just like well, a few years be for ago, PC. Said, I mean, if they really if they launched it for the Switch, I mean, like look at the Breath of the Wild. I mean, like it's 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 not it is possible for them to do like a a major world game that uh, would probably be on the scale of like even if it's not on the scale like massive scale of World of Warcraft. At least they could do it on the scale of Breath of the Wild. Sure. I mean, if anything, then they can be able to just like, you know, have like, you know, maybe like phone um, support where they can be able to do games like that. I mean, I know a lot of people make fun of like AFK Arena and stuff like that because it's being played all over the place on on uh, ads for phones. But, you know, people are downloading them uh, by the millions. And, you know, Nintendo's only done what, like a few games on the phone and they're not really setting anybody's world on fire. So... You know, it's like, I think, uh, you know, th- that's, that's another thing that people are really upset about Nintendo, uh, in addition to the Smash Brothers thing that we talked about last time, is that they really need to, like, see what the competition is doing and get a part of it. It's like, you know, Nintendo, uh, you know, is always about, like, lateral thinking with wither technology, you know, like, old technology can become new again and that kind of stuff, but they... They really need to like have some people coming in who are like fresh blooded and you know new with good ideas that can be able to bring Nintendo into the 21st century when it comes to their gaming platforms. It's like there are some things that they really need to tweak up because a lot of their mindset is starting to become outdated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, well you don't know what this uh, Pokemon special announcement is going to be. I mean, like uh, we've come up with some pretty good ideas so far. So like, uh, let's. Uh, I mean, for Nintendo, if you're listening, you know, like a bit of pressure on that announcement next year. You know, just uh, you yeah, might wanna... I, I I doubt it. They're going to be listening to us. I mean, unless Doug Bowser is able going to give this you know podcast over to various people, then I doubt it. I doubt it, but um, we'll see. And finally, if you look over to eBay, there is a super rare vintage Nickelodeon Legend of the Hidden Temple uh, set piece uh, currently on auction on eBay for about $5,000. <laughs> yeah, if anybody wants to spend $5,000, then you know what? More power to you. You know what? There, there will be a private collector out there who probably will turn it into a museum piece. I can, I can probably see it being done. I mean, like, uh, imagine if, uh, I mean, is it kind of like uh, where, you know, uh, the Museum of Moving Image would probably be intrigued yeah, in taking something perfect. like that? Of course, that would be a perfect place to put it there. Like, you know, hey, like, you know, they already have displays of a lot of things. They have, um, they have a camera room. They have an ADR room. They have um, a room dedicated to, like, old films. They had the Muppets display, like I think a Nickelodeon display where they would feature like um, props from all the old Nickelodeon shows would be a perfect 
place to put into the Museum of Moving Image. Yeah, but, but I, I, they probably would need, if they did like a whole dedicated Nickelodeon thing, they probably would need more than one prop. So I think, uh, you know. Absolutely. The- like, you know, put in the prop from Are You Afraid of the Dark? Put in the prop from Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um, put in the stuff from The Amanda Show and Drake and Josh and uh, Caitlin's Way and um, Ned's Declassified and yeah. all those things. Well, that, that'll, like- have to, that'll have to turn, all turn up on eBay first before they can get it. So uh, I think, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you what, actually, I'm just looking at this now. Like, uh, if you're not, if you don't want to spend five grand on a uh, a piece of uh, you know Nickelodeon history, there's also the uh, there's the vintage 1997 Nickelodeon sleeping bag for about forty two dollars. Uh, uh, well, sure, there's that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so for those who Ooh, are wondering, what's this? The 2014 MTV VMA Moonman Award statue from uh, going for about about uh, seventeen hundred dollars. Oh, wow. Including $90 shipping. So it's a bit more than that. Okay. Oh, it's interesting. interesting. Sure. So so there's a Nickelodeon throwback Tuesday TV shirt, which is uh, men's size for about $29. And uh, there's also a vintage 1990s cartoon, Hey Arnold, and uh, various other Nicktoon shirts as well, going for about $11. Okay, neat, neat. Cool, okay then. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is some, uh, funny enough, like, because uh, I've just searched this now, and all of a sudden it's, like, brought up, like, loads of other entries for, like, a vintage Nickelodeon gear. So, mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah, so, um, for those who are wondering about this particular piece from Legends of the Hidden Temple, because there's a lot of pieces from Legends oh of the Hidden God, Temple. Oh, my God, I'm just looking at here. There is uh, an autographed, uh, a autographed uh, poster for Poof, uh, who was, like, a really unpopular character for Fairly Odd Parents. And he's actually got the autograph person who actually you know did the voice acting for it. Guess how oh, much? Oh yeah, Terra ter- ter- Strong. Yeah. Yeah. Guess how much on eBay? How much? Five dollars. <laughs> who want? Who the hell wants that? Oh my god! Concerned. Who the hell wants that? It's like, oh, um, we're gonna have the autograph of a very unpopular character. Uh, we're gonna you know put it up online for anybody to buy it. I'm sure that it cost that person. Uh, you, here's the thing. I got an uh, a picture with Tara Strong, and that was like twenty five dollars. An mm-hmm. autograph with her would have been at least maybe about thirty forty dollars, depending on what it would is, uh, wow. what it was. So imagine, you know, you paying thirty something dollars for an autograph based off of a character, and you're thinking, oh, I'm just gonna sell it online, and I'll probably get double the money. But then you got far less. It's like an episode of. Um, you know that that PBS show where they're selling like the antiques, and it's like, oh, I bought this at a uh, at, at this store for like a thousand dollars, and then it's worth like two. <laughs> well, do you remember? That's not the worst thing we've seen. Like, do you remember the? Remember when the whole thing was kicking off with Channel Awesome about like all the abuse and things like that that was going on there, and uh, we, uh, we someone found a, uh, a an a, an autographed copy with like Doug Walker, like an autographed copy of Kickassia, and uh, basically it was donated to a Goodwill. Oh, that uh, rhyme. I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's been other sad pieces of memorabilia that are floating out there at the moment. So, yep. Yeah. And I highly doubt they'll get a good home, but for, for, nope. var- for various reasons. Uh, for various reasons, yeah. Uh, so this particular piece for Legends of the Hidden Temple is uh, based off of one of the rooms of the temple, which is the Room of the Golden Idols. So uh, the point of that Room of the Golden Idols is that um, you get to push the idol or you get to insert something and then you can be able to move on to the next room, which is the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, or you go over to the, um, you know, the Spider's Pit. And yeah, basically, uh, it's on eBay right now. You get to pay if you want it. There's five thousand dollars, 
And um, it, it, it's in pretty crummy condition, but then again, it's based off of a game show that's over 25 years old. So, of course, it's going to look in rough shape. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised that, you know, somebody was able to like put this on eBay saying, hey, buy this. I mean, you know, I think that maybe it belongs to either a person who worked on Nickelodeon or maybe uh, when they were doing like cleanouts on the uh, Nickelodeon Studios uh, building and then they were going to put the Blue Man Group in there. Maybe somebody had it and needed extra cash. Or maybe uh, a contestant from Figure It Out got it because they used to give away, um, you know, pieces of Legends of the Hidden Temple memorabilia over to like the contestants. So, yeah, I mean, whether who whoever it belongs to, I'm not sure. Yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm looking at eBay. There's actually um, there's a lot of TV memorabilia actually going on eBay at the moment. I've just realized. The, yeah, oh like, my God! There's one of Mr. Rogers's uh, cardigan sweaters on here. Really? It's going for $55,000. Oh my god. And people are bidding on it. Really? Wow. Wow, that's, that's I, amazing. I, I hope that goes to a good cause because you know as we all know Absolutely. Fred, yeah. that, that 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 would belong to the Smithsonian. Forget the Museum of Moving Image. That belongs to the the Smithsonian alongside with other, you know, important pieces of, you know, pop culture memorabilia. Yeah, there's one of the original over-the-top uh, um, movie posters from uh, the Stallone movie, and that's going for like th that's going for four thousand uh, dollars at the moment. That's uh, that's uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, a Mission okay. a Mission Impossible Emmy uh, award from uh, so it was I think it was uh, from the estate of Bruce oh the estate of Bruce Geller. So uh, really, the Bruce Geller's estate selling stuff on eBay. Uh, okay. So that's about five thousand dollars on there, and uh, let's have a look at other stuff that's on there too. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, what's currently going on at the minute. Um, there's something. There's a 1973 uh, Yazik Rabin television show, uh, which is uh, in 16 millimeter, has never been broadcasted on Israeli TV, and that's going for ugh, that's going for forty thousand dollars. So it's a um, it's a it's an unbroadcast episode of a popular TV show, which is still like in wow. 16 millimeter. That's amazing. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some incredible stuff on here. Uh, oh, what's this? Ricardo Mabalas in 1967 screen-worn Khan Star Trek's original series Space Seed. That's going for about $12,000 on, on, on eBay at the moment. Yeah, so. I think I remember a few years ago when somebody actually got a bit of Justin Bieber's hair and sold it for like $50,000. So, okay, what's this? Yeah. Charm TV show props. It's a table! Like... Seriously, I'll, I'll, let me send this to you, babe. Like uh, this, this here is being uh, being sold as a TV prop. But if you look at it, it's just a table. Yeah, but not only a TV. It's not a, just a table, Aaron. That is a table from a popular TV show around the 2000s. I'm sure Wayfair sells uh, you know cheaper t you know uh, tables than that. But uh, there's nothing unique about it. Like it's not autographed or anything. Like you know if you had. Oh, a you're right. I mean, like, if it had, if it had, like, autographs, like, you know, signed on, like, on the, on the, like, underneath or, like, on top of it or something like that, I'd say it'd be worth five thousand dollars then. But sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, exactly. But uh, it's just a table. It's a table, yeah. I don't, I don't get that. But hey, you know, check out eBay. There's some pretty cool material. There's some pretty cool TV memorabilia on here at the moment. So, like, yeah, uh, exactly. So, ooh, uh, I mean, a Mint X Files prototype XLT from Fox Studios. That's going for like nearly thirty-eight thousand dollars. Oh wow! In nineteen ninety-three. Wow. You know what, Aaron? I think we definitely need to like dedicate a day uh, to just look up stuff on eBay and find out what is the most expensive TV memorabilia 
that's on eBay right now. Well, right sure now, that- right now, it's the Mister Rogers sweater going for about uh, nearly sixty thousand dollars. So okay. that's that's the most expensive thing right now. And uh, as far as I'm aware, let me have a look at how many bids are on it at the minute. Um, oh, you know, the, there's 50 watches on it right now. So there's been like lots of bids already been put on it. The asking price for it is seventy three point five thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. That's if, amazing. If you guys, let me see what's uh, what's going on for that. Uh, PBS Television duh, 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 probably. Uh, Oh, a sweater is pilling due to age. So, well, yeah, it's a it's oh, a sweater. Of course from, it is. It's a sweater from nineteen seven the 1970s. Like you know, it's. Uh... I mean, you don't expect. And here's the thing: like, if you restore it, it's going to lose the value because that was worn by Mister Rogers. Like, you don't want to tamper that. I mean, if you you know try to restore it or if you try to open something that belongs to a show or something, it's like. You know, you're going to lose what made it unique in the first place. It belongs in a museum, as far as I'm concerned. So, exactly, anyway. it belongs in the Smithsonian. Anyway, babe, we're, we're, I'm really, so, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry to cut it off like this, but so we're running out of time. So, uh, oh, okay, yeah. but yeah, okay, um, thanks, okay, okay. thanks everybody. If you want to check me out, it's uh, Aaron Meta Show on Twitter, A R U N M E H T A S H O W on Twitter, on Tumblr, it's uh, AaronMeta.tumblr.com, and uh, also if you want to uh, check us out on any of the apps uh, which uh, are holding a podcast. And by the way, if you uh, know a podcast network that is uh, hosting our show, but uh, is uh, we don't really give them mention then uh, tell us about it and uh, we'll definitely give you a shout out so all right um we're about to move we're out of time in like a couple of seconds so take care everybody and we'll see you next week bye-bye bye everyone